better make We better make We better season movies <laughs> music uh, television i got no snare in my headphones <laughs> hello no there's just yeah. no snare uh, give me some more <laughs> snare welcome to we bought a mic episode 21 Back to our regularly scheduled programming, guys. Oh, thank you. What a fucking great God. list Jesus week we Christ. had. Oh, my God. Ah! Ah! Who was that? Oh. Somebody just appeared in the, the chair an, next It's to an th- opera singer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, there's something phasing. Uh, is that Brett? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, no, no. What's up? He's guys? speaking in tongues. <laughs> I went to your funeral, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it from behind a tree. <laughs> Thanks for all the funeral checks you guys sent me. I'll be uh, using that money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know you love Arcade Fire, so. I It's very impressive. Your your use of force projection is just blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, are you uh, are you he- really here? Oh, don't worry. Also, oh, God. I licked the ground and it was just salt. So don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, well, I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew Dietzen. And, and I'm uh, the ghost from that new Quiet Place movie that's coming out. No, just kidding. My name's Brett Nemeroff. You mean uh, John Jim, Jim Halpert? <laughs> no, j- he's not the ghost in that movie. <laughs> Are you sure? We haven't seen it yet. Is he deaf in that movie? <laughs> well, the, or is yeah. he just really bad at sign language? We're going to spend the whole pod talking about this trailer for this deaf movie. Hitting the blunt, Emily Blunt. <laughs> he's hitting that blunt. Oh! Okay. All right. Well, today on the show... <laughs> We are going to be talking about the Oscar nominations Whoa. and a whole bunch of stuff that we've been watching. I think including... we're the first uh, people to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's they're I... an award ceremony <laughs> for movies. Mostly. It's... Is it like the less prestigious Golden Globes? Yeah. It's like the Globes, but Ricky Gervais is in there. So like, no, oh. so no one cares. <laughs> it's the golden man. Little golden man in it. Oh, I, so I said shit. Blah, blow me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Ricky. Yeah. I honestly think Ricky gets a bad rap in America when he's genuinely a funny person. Oh, well, no, yeah. annoying. <laughs> okay. That movie, a little, little, little heavy handed yeah. with the uh, inventing religion. But <laughs> all right. Well, let's get right into it, guys, with the news. We've got Movie Pass making a big splash at the Sundance Film Festival, which is going on right now in good old Park City, Utah. Everyone's covered in snow, freezing, slipping on ice, breaking their necks, trying to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Movie Pass is over there, and they bought their first movie for distribution. Isn't wow. that crazy? Really? Already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be like years before they start that. No, they, they're I, already doing it. I think they're just like, well, we're going to run out of money, so let's just try to like make back. <laughs> yeah, they got to get to it. Yeah, this venture with uh, just selling movies. I guess it's called American Animals and. Who knows if it'll be good, but there's, I mean, Sundance is a huge festival for like selling indie films. Yeah. So like Big Sick came out of there, uh, Get Out premiered there last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's huge. I've already, I've been reading synopses by A.A. A. Dowd of the AV Club. He does really good Sundance coverage. If anyone's interested, 
where you he, you just get kind of like a sneak peek of like how because he talks about how the movie is but also what's really important is how the audience is reacting because mm-hmm. that's what the studios look at they look at did people in this one theater like this and then they you know spend all their money um Someday we'll get that press pass, guys, and we're gonna one day. Yeah, we're we, gonna crash Sundance and spoil <laughs> everything. We bought a festival. Yeah. What's more uh, interesting, though, is movies that uh, like get like panned at Sundance and then end up still getting released by big. Yeah, they like, get like booed. Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man was booed yeah. by the audience whenever people saw it because they're like, "What the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> is this real? Is this yeah. a joke?" All right. Well, yeah. I mean. We'll see what comes out of Sundance. That's actually viable. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing really good things about A24 picking up this. Well, I don't know if A24 like is really into just picking up movies or if they like present movies. Yeah, because they... I think the whole point of Sundance is for like indie um, producers to get picked up by studios. And I think at this point, A24 has like been solidified as like a pretty yeah. viable studio. Yeah. So they're probably picking up a lot of. They're probably passing on movies at this point because they're getting so True. big. A24 is, right now, they're on a hot streak that is approaching, like, Miramax in the 90s levels, where it's just, like, how, like, it's a heat check. Yeah. Like, how are you going to keep doing this? Yeah, the, the movie I was referencing is called uh, Heredi- Her- Hereditary? Hereditary? Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I read about that. I, it's like this year's... Uh, <laughs> Harry Terry, coming to a theater don't, Please don't you. talk about my aunt, Harry Terry. Yeah. I don't appreciate that. Rob Schneider is. Harry Terry. <laughs> Apparently it's this year's The Witch, just like a very unsettling Ooh, nice. horror film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so let's get right into the Oscar nominations, guys. So we're not going to go through every single category, but... I just wanted to highlight some standouts. I mean, I'm really excited about Get Out. Getting, Get Out's getting so much love. Yeah. It brings me a lot of joy. Only four noms, but they're like huge noms. It got Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Screenplay. And oh, Best Actor. And Best Actor, Dan Kaluuya. That's about as big as it gets. Ooh, he got Best Actor. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm a little surprised about that. Also, he's, he's not going to win it, but the nomination is a big deal. Dude, mm. Denzel Washington is nominated for Best Actor that's, okay. in, in a movie that no one saw. Yeah, that. no, that's the whole thing is that usually Denzel, every year he's like making a big awards push for this movie. He's done like no press for this movie. I don't think I he think even he wants even, the nom. Yeah, yeah, I think that he is like almost insulted by it. But my theory is that James Franco was originally going to get that fifth spot. But now all of this shit is coming out about him with these sexual assault allegations mm-hmm. that could have done him. It yeah. just it. I think I was predicting in the week leading up to it we didn't really get a chance to do oscar predictions but i had a feeling that franco wasn't going to get the nom but i'm just surprised that denzel got it Mm. i will say uh one of the biggest robs for me on this list is i think robert pattinson deserved a best actor yeah Yeah. i knew it wasn't going to happen yeah there's no world where that movie gets recognition i knew it wasn't going to happen but robert pattinson is unrecognizable and we'll talk about that more later i was spoiler i I was hoping for um andy circus for war for the planet of the apes but there was no way that he was going to get that that movie what's interesting is they were making a push but they made the push too early because it came out in summer in in july whenever the movie came out and then it just kind of died out with all the other movies the back half of last year was loaded yeah so it it just kind of got lost in the shuffle which is also it speaks to how impressive it is for get out to stay so relevant because it's one of the oldest movies that is being nominated yeah it, it was came like, out in february yeah exactly it was it's it stayed fresh in the minds of people which is so impressive it's yeah. so it's so wildly poignant that there's no way it's going to leave the minds yeah of and people. and as a movie like the genre of it never gets recognition like horror and comedy are the two genres that the academy doesn't really give a shit about and it's yeah. both of those and it got it got the nods also i 
instead of um, what's his name, Denzel, I would have put in Hugh Jackman for Logan. That would have been cool. He puts in an incredible performance in that film. And the the one year where he really had a chance to win was the year Les Mis was nominated. He was nominated Mm -hmm. for Les Mis. And that was the year of McConaughey in Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. Yeah. So So he didn't really have a chance. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, Logan only really got best adapted screenplay. But I was huge. Yeah, no, I was really I was totally shocked. Like, I thought that it was very deserving of the nomination, but I thought there was no way just because the studios never really reward comic book or IP movies. Yeah, aside from Heath Ledger winning uh, for best supporting actor for Dark Knight. But aside from that, like just IP movies never get recognized by these award shows because they're very up their own ass about it. Yeah. It has to be artistic yeah. and it can't make a lot of money. Yeah. Comic books are not high art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other huge standout is Lady Bird. I mean, Greta Gerwig nominated for uh, director and screenplay. Mm. I, the, the director category this year is amazing. It is. Like yeah. it is such a good category. I mean, we have, uh, let me pull it up here. Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Thread. Guillermo. Guillermo. Uh, Chris, Chris Nolan with his first nomination. Isn't that crazy? Wow. First time being nominated for that's, Best Director. That's funny. That's fun. It's kind of wild. I mean, I, I'm happy for the nomination for him. Even if I wasn't as big on Dunkirk as I am a lot of his other movies, I yeah. still think that it's it's well, it's, it's an excellent director. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's deserving. I would be fine if it won Best Director because it, the difficulty level on some of those shots was yeah. like through the fucking roof. I can't even imagine. And also... I think it's deserving of several other technical yeah. Oscars. And then Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig. I'm really happy that they're there. It's It doesn't feel like they're there just to represent minorities, mm-hmm. like women and, and the yeah, black no, community. They, they actually did. They deserve it. Well. They d- fucking deserve um, it. My biggest snub, like overall, but also in this category, is Sean Baker for the oh, Florida yeah. Project. Yeah, Florida Project in general, just only one yeah. nomination. Willem well, Dafoe with the lone nomination. Just, it's just, A, that movie is beautiful, which some of that goes back to the director, but B, the biggest point, the two stars of the movie who put to, they put on lifetime like golden performances and neither of them had acted before. Like he, the, yeah. the director takes credit for that. Oh, for not sure. all of it, but like, holy shit. And corralling kids to act is, is no small feat and to get like a incredible performance where people were saying this little girl should get a nomination for best actress yeah and, and he just gets I mean, no recognition i i could see pta having taken that spot from sean baker because a lot of people didn't think that phantom thread was going to get any oscar yeah, love it came yeah. out so late it came out like basically at the very possible end yeah. of the window and pta has only been nominated for there will be blood this is only his second nom so it's not like he's like a oscars darling mm. yeah i mean i just i I think that this is kind of a two-horse race with directing between Guillermo, who is definitely the front-runner after winning the Golden Globe, and Paul Thomas Anderson. There yeah. is a little bit of dark horse. Uh, I would put my money on. Gerwig. I would put my money on Guillermo. Yeah, but same. I, yeah, which I want to make an actual Oscar predictions. Maybe we can make yeah. it like a game. Uh, let's uh, let's put some money in on let's it. Like let's some play money bingo. In <laughs> let's let's do like the summer movie wager where the winner gets to choose a movie that the, everybody else has to watch. We could uh, yeah, we could figure something out. I think there's definitely something to be said with PTA working with Daniel Day Lewis. I know There Will Be Blood was the other yeah. example. And there's really there's something magical there. 
and we'll we'll get into uh, Phantom Thread. Yeah, I mean bit. Daniel Day Lewis is nominated for Best Actor. I really hope he doesn't win because <laughs> uh, uh, he already has two Oscars. Yeah, and Gary Oldman has been making so much of a push to get his Oscar. Like he's been really working Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. For but I would hour. I would be for Prisoner comp- of Azkaban. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. But with with that said, I would be completely happy if Daniel Day won because he deserves it. And it's it's is, one of his best performances. And this is his swan song. Uh, Apparently, as as he's saying, yeah. like he's saying that this is going to be his last performance ever. Did, like, did you guys see? Did you guys see the little interview with Paul Thomas Anderson where he says that Daniel Day is a big fan of Naked and Afraid? Oh no! <laughs> the yeah, That's the odd. the Discovery Channel oh, show. No. Yeah, he would always talk about it on oh, set. Boy. That made me laugh so hard because he's like the the most high class human yeah. that's ever been. He's I, like, did you watch Naked and Afraid? In terms of um, supporting actor, though, I really think the front runner is still Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. But I would love it if Defoe got it because it's the only category that uh, Florida Project is nominated for, and it would just be like an honorary yeah. award for that beautiful, beautiful film. I mean, I'm just really hoping because Sam Rockwell does do a great job in three billboards, but I'm hoping that Sam and Woody are going to take away votes from each other. Having two actors from the same film, from the same film, yeah. I'm hoping that they're going to take away votes from each other just because again, I would love to see Willem Dafoe. I'm, I'm just happy that Richard Jenkins got nominated. That was very unexpected for yeah. me. And he is incredible in the shape. Well, I mean, of water. shape of water has 13 nominations. Yeah. Leading, yeah. leading the pack. It's the most nominated film since uh curious case of benjamin button the what, old people are, are about that fish they're the oh, fish sex blah. i think that uh i think that some of the big winners that we're gonna see are gonna be movies like ladybird because the backlash there's already huge internet backlash against three billboards i think deservedly so and i think that there's gonna start being it's already like kind of in the rumblings but we're gonna in the next six weeks or so before the awards get some backlash for the shape of water too really I think I, I think, think that's gonna happen. I, I think it's the pendulum's gonna swing in the shape of water's direction. I think I might put my money in the shape of water for best picture. Even though I really want uh get out to win. I don't think it I mean I would love, love for get out to win best picture, but I don't see it. I think if anything, I think that Lady Bird would probably be my pick for really best picture. Interesting. Yeah. It, this is such a great year for best picture. Yeah. It's like it it's really any one of these movies could win, except for maybe the darkest darkest hour. Yeah, darkest hour <laughs> is kind of a waste of a thing. But I, I mean, could see the post getting in. I could see Phantom Thread getting in. The like, post, I God, I hope that, that movie does not win because it seems like such an Oscar choice yeah, that it's I, not the best movie of the year. But it's just so pertinent it, to our times. See what the post. No, I haven't. See, I I almost feel bad for that movie, even though obviously, how are you going to feel bad for it's Spielberg a good movie. And Streep and Hanks? It's good, but it's just. It's it's a great movie in 2005. Like it's yeah. it's it's a best picture in 2005. Also, like it just stylistically, like it's just old school because that's what Spielberg does. He does what he does. It's so easy to him, and you can yeah. tell. It's like, oh, of course, it's an amazing movie. It's fucking yeah. Spielberg. Of course, it, and, so, and it also kind of suffers from Spielberg issues where he sometimes he makes things a little bit too obvious, where he's treating the audience like it's we're fucking too idiots. on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a good movie, it, I just don't. It's not the time. Like, yeah. It would it would sweep everything with Hanks and Streep and Spielberg. It would sweep ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's make sure we mention Kumail and Emily for um, hey. uh, the big sick getting that. That's awesome. original. That makes me now. so happy. That yeah. That, I really was. I was hopeful and optimistic that they would get a nomination just because 
the screenplay is so amazing, especially for first-time filmmakers. It's the story of their that, life. Like, it's just it's such a beautiful story. And also, one of my biggest hopes from the Oscars is that Roger Deakins will finally get his due with Blade oh, Runner twenty forty nine. Please, please. Yeah, you so. can't argue with the imagery of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So yeah, this enough with these nominations. There are more important nominations to talk about, and that's our lists <laughs> of best movies. All right. I want I, yeah, I want Brett's takes. Yeah. So I can't help but notice that Blade Runner is on your snubs list over there, Drew. So I'm this pretty is com- not my list. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that Blade Runner 2049 is the most overrated movie of 2017. Wow. Dare I say? I was so surprised that Ern- Ernest, you had it as your number one yeah, movie dude. of the year. I was yeah. so surprised. So I don't think it's a bad movie. I think the first Blade Runner is amazing. I think it's really original, you know, despite being based off of um, that short story. I think it's a great short story. The way it was adapted was original in itself. I thought that, you know, spoilers for fucking Blade Runner for those of you who haven't seen it, but I think that it's far more interesting to have a person question whether or not they're a replicant than have to have the viewer try to empathize with robot feelings the entire movie. I think it's... I don't... I just bought it. It's not a robot, though. Like, they are... They are like 3D printed humans. Like there's there's no mechanical parts in these beings. Like they are, for for all intents and purposes, they are quote unquote real, even though they are not born from another human. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's the fact that it's fabricated. And then he has his robot girlfriend, which which is believable because you know people date dolls in Mm. 2018. But she's a hologram, actually. Hunter. Yeah, she. She she dies later in the movie. Spoiler alert! And you kind of don't give a fuck. I see. I disagree with you because I did you're, give a fuck. You're do. I, I feel like you're you're putting a very uh, biological definition on what it is to be real. Where to me, these beings have consciousness. They they are able to feel and to think and to experience life. And to me, that makes them real. That makes them as real as a person who came out of a vagina. That's the whole point of the movie. It's challenging you to question what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what it means to exist. Because these, like, quote-unquote fake humans these replicants like they're not what you would consider real but in this universe they populate the world they there's really no humans Mm. left the most human person in the film is jared leto who is like he has like robotic parts in him he's he's the Um, most unreal person in the film with all this said though i do i can i can kind of agree in that like looking back at my list i think i would have it lower than two because i was just thinking about which movies actually left an impact on me like yeah, versus I, being incredibly impressive. So I will say that I went in having really high expectations of the movie. I thought Jared Leto's performance was was really kind of poor. I thought that pretty much half of the cast you were really shaky on what their motivations were, especially him, the uh, police chief. It's just really shaky. I get I get what um, Ryan Gosling is going for throughout the whole movie. I understand that, but I just thought when it comes to character motivations, when it comes to the buy-in of a movie. That has to be so strong. I've talked about that before. It has to be so strong for me to care about what's going on. And I understand why the movie is good. I think the visuals are visually stunning. Honestly. (laughs) But like I mentioned to you guys before, I think the movie is hinging a lot on those visuals. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's... That's the the headline of the movie is how it looks. I completely disagree. I, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to keep having this discussion for too long. But I, my, the way I look at the movie is like you are made to empathize 
and and like connect with someone who isn't like a full human being and you still see them as real because they see themselves as real like gosling's character he believes he is a human and so he starts behaving like a human so he is completely indistinguishable from a human okay i i like i like that about the movie i like that for a, a large portion of the movie you're thinking you're made you're made to believe that he might actually be like human so not it, just human, but like one of the most important humans. Yeah, so it's to easier. To, so it's easier to relate, and then you get to a point in the movie where you're like, "No, you're not really, you know, the fucking chosen one." And you're like, oh, "Okay, well, I don't, I don't." That, he that was believed all for it. Nothing. He believed it, and he started to become human. Like that's the whole crux of the film. Is like you are human because you consider yourself to be. You believe you are, and that's what makes you human. Yeah, I that, see that wasn't I that wasn't a problem for me either. I did I bought into that. I liked Gosling more than I like Harrison Ford. I like a relatable android more than I like an unrelatable person. And I feel like Harrison Ford was like not good in Blade Runner. Yeah, he was fine. His character was just kind of like like flat the whole movie. Like he was just dry, and like there's never a moment where you're like I, I like this guy. He's better in four in twenty forty nine. I think that that's also more of a credit to. Denis Villeneuve, who, if anything, I would say that Denis should take Christopher Nolan's spot for a best director, yeah, in my sure. opinion, just because. Think about that, <laughs> I think I think that in, Denis, play, in place of what Dunkirk, yeah, in place of in oh place of gosh. Christopher Nolan's job on Dunkirk, I think that Jesus Denis gets that because I think Denis brought more out of the characters than Ridley Scott did with the original Blade Runner. Yeah, Maybe. for sure, um, Denis is an unbelievably great director and he was having to balance so much with this film that the fact that it delivered on the level it did is an unbelievably yeah. great feat. again again i'm not doubting that it's like a good movie i just think it was overrated i think the, the directing for the most part was good i thought it was really slow at points and that and it didn't help that the motivations of the characters were shaky that's kind of like the nature of yeah what I'm going I, I get what you're saying i don't even know if you can say it's overrated because nobody saw this it's overrated among you know yeah. you guys among, <laughs> among the three of us it's really catching on in my condo and, you know you know I, I respect all you guys i wouldn't be into film like i am now if it wasn't for you guys specifically Ernest. so thanks know, yeah all right. Well, thanks. let's. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. We're all in um, No, I, I get. I get your take. Also, I wanna. I wanna hear you talk about Mother though, because you like it. I like it more than these two do, and you like it more than me. There's no way that Mother was gonna be nominated for Oscars all though. Right. I'll, I'll just. I'll just quickly. Quickly say the one thing. Uh, when you guys did talk about Mother, somebody said something along the lines of, "It's. It's a movie that you talk more about afterwards. That you think more about afterwards, and for that reason, it's not a good movie. And I think that's what makes it so good. Yeah. No. I. Okay. I, I said, I was the one who kind of made that, that you're crudely paraphrasing. Of course, of course it um, I said that it's a better movie to argue about with friends than it is actually watching the movie. Okay. Because I think that while I do, I appreciate that it exists, I still don't think that it's a good movie. I think that there's a fine line between appreciating the artistic vision that somebody that somebody is going for and then also not thinking that it worked because that was my thing with hmm. mother i don't yeah i i i did like it i just didn't i liked a lot of movies more but i did like this like i i left and i was fucked up and i was still like i'm glad i would not call mother a bad movie by any means i wouldn't even call it mediocre i would say it's good but it is it gets caught up in itself a little it's, bit it's, it's just a little extremely bit like convoluted. yeah it's like a little bit too self-indulgent it's all, it's, i mean that's it's kind of the point that it gets caught up in itself you know yeah. I'm, I'm gonna talk more about this when we get to um 
Phantom Thread because I think there's a lot of comparisons okay. there. Mm. But Interesting. If yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like Phantom Thread if it it's stuck in this sort of cycle and got yeah, really if it dark. Got, if and it got was worse in, and worse. If it was yeah, made it was, by an insane person. Yeah, like, if it was in somebody's head. Like I said earlier, before whenever we were off the air, I think Mother is. If I was just going to grade these movies, I'd give it like the same grade as like Justice League. Oh my god! So Hunter really always says this now. Watch Mother or watch Justice League. It really doesn't make it. All right, let's let's end, let's, end, let's end on no, that. So that's, Hunter that's, Hunter can be quoted for that. Yeah, <laughs> Hunter, you're being a provocateur. It, it'll say it on and the. And Goodwill Hunting sucks. <laughs> god also. damn it. <laughs> Okay, no, we're, we should that's, move on. That's what it says on the Mother Blu-ray. It says, Goodwill Hunting sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie is basically Justice League. Yeah. All right, well, before we move on from the um, Oscar um, nominations, I just wanted to quickly mention some snubs that didn't make it to the nominations that I wish would have. Lego Batman for Best Animated Film. Yeah, what the fuck? Boss Baby got a nomination yeah, for Best Animated Film. Really, I saw that. Lego that's uh, fucking bullshit. Really sad. Also, you saw Boss Baby? I saw Boss Baby. Nice. Kill me. Oh, God. <laughs> also, uh, Lady Bird for Best Editing. I would have liked that, but I mean, it got so much else that they probably were like, we got to we gotta yeah. put someone else in. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg for any of the three films. Yeah, that he, he had a great year this year and some, didn't yeah, receive Someone in love. some column I read was like, there should be a category for a character actor who just like nailed it this year. Yeah. <laughs> but not in any particular <laughs> film, just in general. Or yeah. just like who kind of won the year because I think he the was guy who great was in, in every role. Michael Stuhlbarg and then also I think um, Laura Dern. Name. Well, Laura Dern, of course. For Star Wars. TV. But um, also, I think that uh, the guy from Get Out, Florida Project, um, I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Caleb, Landry, Caleb Landry Jones. Caleb Landry Jones, yes. Yeah. He also had an amazing year. So many movies. Yeah, and also Call Me By Your Name for Best Cinematography and Costuming. Yeah. I think that was one of the standout parts of that Man. movie. That movie is, I don't think it's going to win anything. I know. You know, I was just thinking about that movie earlier today. I really like that movie. It's a beautiful, and beautiful it's not, movie. I'm not hearing any talk about it getting awards. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the Academy's too hot on it, and... I don't think it's gonna win anything. Do you think Timothy Chalamet has a chance of upsetting Gary Oldman? I would honestly, I would be fine if he won because he he's acting with like a full blown yeah. adults and he's fucking killing them in the whole movie. Also, he's the youngest nominee for best actor in like seventy years or some yeah, shit since Jesus. Malcolm in Middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, I did want to mention uh, that. There is a woman nominated for Best Cinematography for the first, first time, time. Yeah, that's ever. Awesome. ever. Her name that's is Rachel awesome. Morrison for Mudbound. Which, yeah, we should check out. I really, I hope she doesn't win because yeah. Roger Deakins. Oh, because, because she's a woman. I thought you were going to no. say. Because she's a woman. No, no, Roger Deakins deserves There were the... also a couple like surprises on here where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I really like The Shape of Water a lot. Octavia Spencer does not deserve a nomination. Yeah, what's her? That's her thing is that she gets nominated every year for basically playing the same role, and this is no fault against her because I think Octavia Spencer yeah. is a really good actress, but I feel like she's getting pigeonholed in it these is, roles at this. Point. Well, it is not her fault, but her character in that movie sucked. She did she did a good acting job, but that character I thought was, it was a little she was flat. meant to be kind of an audience surrogate. Yeah, character. and it was, it was bad. The weakest the, part. the logic behind her her knowledge of the situation changed by, scene by scene. And we it like inexplicably that was like the biggest logical fault I had in that almost was her yeah. her character is just like whoa what oh, okay we're breaking it out oh okay you fucked it oh okay <laughs> another uh, big surprise was that the lack of love for Itania because Itania had like it had was making yeah. trying to make some yeah, big pushes steam. and it just got it got best actress and best supporting actress well, and I think that's editing it. and editing. I, I got it yeah. people were starting to talk shit about it because it they're saying it kind of glorifies someone who did 
uh, something bad allegedly. Well, it's just so stylized. I can see why it turns some people off. Um, so. I, I really like Itanya, and I I just hope that uh, Allison Janney gets supporting actress. I see. Okay, I was thinking about this a lot, and I really like Allison Janney's performance. However, I think Laurie Metcalf does For a Lady better Bird. job. I think Allison Janney will win, but I think I'm cheering for Laurie Metcalf because she is, she is more of a dynamic character in Lady Bird than Allison Janney does in Itania. Itania, Allison Janney's great, but she's very like one note yeah. basically throughout the whole movie. Where Laurie Metcalf does such a great job, you get so many. She's such a complex character that she's a very stern, hard mother, but you also know how much she cares about her and child. Yeah, she is. All, she does an incredible job of playing someone that I no like people that i just like it's an amalgam of a bunch of people that like i know exist mm-hmm. and she did such a good job being natural with it okay. I, i'd be happy if she won uh well you guys have any final thoughts on the oscar noms i'm cheering for the square for best foreign movie nice yeah well we'll uh you know we'll have a little watch party and we'll do our our ballots and then we'll talk about it after the All march right. 4th dates so anyway uh i've been playing persona 5 on my switch <laughs> oh sick <laughs> Dude. Okay. First of all, right now you've been playing it right now. Yeah, while we've yeah, been yeah we're talking. Playing. He's yeah, bored. So, hell, bitch. so we don't really talk too much about video games, just because I I would say I'm the biggest gamer on this podcast. Oh, I think that's a you. fair thing. I played FIFA. Oh, how many Nintendo <laughs> Switches do you own? Because I own six. Um, but four of them still in we, box. We didn't really ever talk about our favorite games of the year, and this was really a year dominated by Nintendo. Like Nintendo bounced back in the biggest way possible this Dude, year. Dude, I want to play Mario Odyssey so bad. Mario Odyssey is amazing. I would say, I mean, I think that Zelda for me is one A, and Mario is one B as far as the best games of the year go. But I mean, really, there were just a lot of really good games that came out this year, even indie games uh, that came onto the Switch. Like, I've been playing a ton of Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is such a fun game. Splatoon is Splatoon 2 is great. What, what about that, uh, the, the new stuff that Nintendo's putting out, the peripherals for the Switch? The, what do you think about the that? The Labo, the cardboard? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. Nobody can ever fault Nintendo for not being inventive. Uh, yeah, they, they always thing. try shit that's like, whoa, what? Oh, yeah. okay. But I mean, I... I mean, it's I, for it looks, kids, right? That's the whole thing, is it's yeah. being marketed towards kids, but I feel like, because they are using some like VR technology, that I feel like this is almost like they're testing out what this VR field is going to look like, and they're going to start it out with making stuff marketed towards kids because they can do lower-grade games and have a little bit more buggy issues if they just market it, oh, this is for children, and then they can work off of that technology to make it better. I think it's more of an augmented reality sort of thing. If, if, I if think it'll gonna, be both. Yeah, I think that there like is going to be some both. Because you're... Like you build a little piano and you can play that. You're you're augmenting reality, and I guess there's the one thing where you wear the robot suit, right? And is that are you yeah. VR with yeah, that? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's what that that's what I meant. That's the thing that looks the most VR of everything that they're doing. I'm just like I'm interested to see how it all works out. I I don't know if I'm gonna buy it at launch. I'm probably gonna wait and see what general reviews of it are, and then the the weird thing is that they're selling it in like different packs like there's like the robot pack is like its own thing and then they have like one or two other packs that'll be like you take this and you turn it into a piano or then you can go fishing with it and it's like stuff like that which is kind of odd Mm. but i don't know i mean i'm i'm interested to see what they're doing with this it's another one of those like it would just 
surprise Nintendo Direct dropped, and it was like this is the most like out there shit that I've ever seen. Do you think? Do you think like some Nintendo exec was just listening to some old guy be like, God, I hate it with these little kids. Like you buy them something expensive and they just play with the box. <laughs> and and they're like, like, huh? It's oh, actually oh, a good point. Brain blast. <laughs> but um, I just quickly wanted to talk about um, since we haven't we haven't really talked about games in a while now that uh, I've actually been playing Persona Four on the playstation 4 or persona 5 on the playstation 4 um and if i was going to put nintendo as or zelda and mario as one and two i think persona 5 i would put it number three for my favorite games of the year it's is just such a cool game it's a jrpg for for you non-weebs out there it's a japanese role-player game um Mm, with mm. like turn-based combat style but there's so much more to the game than just the combat style um you play like a japanese schoolboy, which who's not into that um and it's all about like going around this town of tokyo knockoff tokyo and like kind of wandering Nokia? through making is it just another <laughs> making, city like, friends in Japan? and stuff like that but the story to this game is what makes it like the art direction everything is beautiful but the story of this game I'm just going to describe to you the beginning of this game so you are a Japanese schoolboy who gets transferred to a new school because you get arrested <laughs> or whatever and you get to the school and you realize that there's like all kinds of wild shit going on there's this teacher who Uh-oh. is oh no who Hunter, is come on <laughs> molesting molesting girls on the volleyball team and abusing the students to the point that one of the girls tries to kill herself by jumping oh, off the roof fuck. of the building. Well, it's a heavy game. Maybe I shouldn't but, have made that joke. Yeah, yeah. It actually did go you, where I thought you, you were going to go. How do you feel about that now, Drew? Huh, oh, that's rough. But it's just great like, game. it's... <laughs> Like it's it just has really great character writing, which is mm. something I always appreciate in video games. Whenever they're yeah, not just too. willing to give you just very run of the mill, just like oh, I'm a stereotype. That's why Uncharted is my favorite game series because yeah. it's dynamic yeah. character, and that's all about the story. That, that is more than like the gameplay not changing. That's what killed Call of Duty for me when it's just like you, they just assume you give a shit, and yeah. so they're like, <laughs> "Hey, you're a soldier, go." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you got Like, there's no buy story. Yeah, that's kind of a good segue into what I just quickly wanted to bring up. Uh, was RuneScape, which I have talked about on the podcast Ooh. before. In in the news... Wait, are we starting Brett's catch-up corner? <laughs> no. uh, Rune, RuneScape Mobile Ooh, is on the cusp of coming out. Beta invites are going out. Ooh. This could possibly be a really big deal. Keep an eye out for that because while RuneScape is just a really nostalgic thing, low graphics, it is potentially like the best mobile game mm-hmm. because it'll be able to work on pretty much every phone. Yeah. That, so, yeah. Uh, How is true. that not already a thing? What are they waiting on? It's... Uh, it's a lot of resources. It's a lot of engine work. Yeah, yeah. clearance issues because maybe. Currently, like old school RuneScape, for example, runs off of your computer's CPU, and they need to like change it around to work off of the GPU of the phone. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of engine work that has to go down. They have to make sure it's not buggy. There's a lot of. They don't want to. They don't want to code a whole new game. They just want to port oh, yeah. it over. Yeah. The, yeah. Exactly. So that, I, don't, I don't know the logistics. I of could that. see that being a huge deal. Yeah. So it could be. Yeah. Exactly. It could be a huge deal. And regarding the story of games, if. For anyone who's played other MMOs, you know, if you've played World of Warcraft or anything like that, the quests are really fucking boring. Sorry to say. It's like, <laughs> it's go true. go kill five pigs over there. But in, <laughs> over in, there. in RuneScape, you have these really, really dynamic quests. And I can talk about this now because I recently finished every quest in RuneScape, which Jeez. is a, Damn. That's like a big childhood that's dream a, for yeah, me. That's huge. And there are points where I feel like I'm watching a freaking movie. I have all these characters that I've come to grow up with. I feel like the hero, and I'm like saving the freaking world. And 
just felt real good. And I, I really credit RuneScape and the developers for that one. All right, Hunter, do you have any final thoughts on uh, uh, the the diddling game? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you guys? So so much for a serious game segment. On Jesus, this is why I can never talk about video games. Yeah, let's wrap up Hunter's game. Nobody player. else is a quote-unquote weeaboo like me. No, but are I there just, are there amiibo for this game? It's on the PlayStation. Oh, it's shit. on the fucking Switch. You know what? I I have more thoughts, but fuck you guys. I'm not gonna say them. All right, what's next? I'm gonna save my thoughts for my private blog where I only talk oh, about no. David Lynch and JRPGs. Yeah. Hunter, Hunter's starting a shoot off of our podcast without even telling us. We bought hates, a Coheed. Yeah, because he fucking hates us. You okay. just have like Coheed playing in the background of the whole <laughs> yeah. pod. All right. So it looks like for the next segment, we gotta we gotta throw it to our local MGMT expert in the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to talk about the new MGMT singles. I I for years have said that MGMT is my favorite band. If if I'm asked, I usually go to that one. And the self-titled record that came out most recently was I wouldn't call it a disappointment, but it's. Definitely not easy on the ears. You don't have these crazy radio hits. It's a weird left That are turn. really fun. Yeah, yeah. Not really fun to listen to. There's a couple on there I really like. But anyway, uh, MGMT has three new singles out as of now. And I fucking love every single one of them. Uh, they've been stuck in my head. I think When You Die, I believe it's called, yeah. is uh, like yes. the banger of the three. That's when my favorite. Great. Yeah. Um, I also really love Little Dark Age and Hand It Over. Yeah, so this is a new album that's great. coming out, right? This must be a new album. We're looking we're looking at what could have been done on the last record with some, you know, easy on the ears production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they kind of fell off for a minute there. I don't want to I mean, how did you feel about their more recent efforts? Like, oh, well, well going going back like um Oracular Spectacular is my favorite record of all time. I could definitely mm. say that. Mm. What? Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing. It's I mean, album. it's a great album. And then, it is. It is. I love that album. Con- congratulations. I never get tired of listening to that record. Yes. Yeah. And you have, yeah, you have the self-titled. There's, you know, Cool Song Number 2 is is the song I really like on that record. But it's just not, it's not what I guess people wanted. I'm sure a lot of people liked it. But you you know that they, that that was a far cry because now we have MGMT coming back to what people want. And yeah. now they're making these more poppy songs, and I'm really yeah. like. And it them. also still seems very like them, like like the. It's not like they're like selling out, even as much as they did for like Electric Feel, because like the production is way less poppy on these. They have pop melodies, but then like the chorus will be like "Go fuck yourself." Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We we have some really like hard hitting lyrics yeah. in this. Which so I'm it seems like to. seems like a good middle ground between like super poppy and then like also still themselves. Damn, Oracular came out eleven years ago, yeah, guys. Yeah. Two thousand seven. That's wow. crazy. I remember like when that album came yeah, out. That was a too. big like, deal. <laughs> yeah. The new album is called Little Dark Age. Oh, oh is it really? Yeah. Um, it's supposed to come out. Oh, I, I guess it doesn't have a release date yet. But right. it should be out soon. Yeah, I mean, if they've already dropped three singles, we can assume that's coming out in the next oh, couple months. Oh, I think it's slated for February 9th. Oh, that's nice. That's really soon. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay, so do you guys want to... Let's let's get into uh, The Good Place is Back. Yeah, okay. So uh, second half of season two mm. just started up. We're not 100% caught up yet, but we watched yeah. the first couple eps. Yeah, we'll do the first two. The first don't, episode. Don't spoil it for me because okay. I yeah, I won't get it. specific. The first episode back, incredible. Yeah, I thought, it was. It I thought was great. Top three in the whole series. It was just like it's exactly what I want out of the show. Um, and then the one after that, I don't know. Like it, 
It seemed a little stagnant. It was very, well, it was very setup episode. Yeah. We haven't actually yeah, watched exactly, the, episode, yeah. the third episode. They've now released four. Yeah. So I've only seen the first two. The second one was very setup for three and four, I'm assuming. I don't yeah. know what's yeah. actually going to be transpiring there. But so far, Ted Danson has just been absolutely oh, yeah. killing he's it. This I, I mean, it. he's always amazing, but like, is, especially in the first episode back, he was fantastic. Is the script still holding your attention? Yes. Yeah. Because it's still going in directions that I couldn't really foresee. And yeah, it I'm seems it for. seems like the show is about to reinvent itself again. Yeah, it, looks it's, like, it seems like it it's lo- about to get different. It, again. it looks like the end of season two is probably not going to like be a huge twist like end of season one, mm. but it's probably going to like reposition everything to be like a whole nother thing. Well, yeah. there's a for, big thing for that, season three. There's a big thing that happens at the very end of the second episode that kind of is going to change the course of everything that's going to be yes. for the rest of the show. Yes. Mm. Like after watching that, I was like, wow. So what, what's next? Yeah. yeah. Like? Um, but yeah, I, I did just want to mention though, because we, we do gush over the show, but watching that second one, I was like, this, this isn't really keeping me like it. It just has kind of unsteady episodes. Cause like you say, there's setup. But it's a half-hour comedy, so it's hard to like shove so much plot into a setup episode. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, I feel like they have trouble keeping it still very funny. But they've set up the characters well enough so that we still have a good yeah. time interacting like, it's, with it's, everyone. It's still good. I just, I like, I was looking at my list and I was like, well, all we do is talk about how great it is. So why isn't it higher on my list? It's because there are episodes that are just kind of like, yeah, that was okay. That was yeah, okay. It's, it's they do. I mean, they do suffer from that a little bit. Where I think that that's like you said, it's a major problem of trying to have a not procedural, but a, like a network twenty-two minute right episode. Something season. that will still that live is, on like NBC as something that people can just right. kind of put on. But it has to. But he Michael Schur is also trying to tell this much more grand story than anything they've yeah. ever written. I wonder before. how their ratings are doing because it's it's a hard think, sell. For yeah, like I don't the think average. it's very good. I, I, I would definitely call this an experiment with balancing the good aspects of a procedural and then trying to tell some really thematic right, just story. Just because it's yeah. not a show that like just random people can just be like, oh, I've never heard th- watched the show before. Let me just put on a uh, season two episode two, and you're like, what the fuck yeah. am I watching? I yeah, I've done that with shows I didn't know before, just to like be like, would I like this? And it like if you did that with Good Boys, you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um all right, any any more thoughts? I think we'll we'll no. get more into it next week yeah, when we yeah, catch yeah. up. Uh, another show that's back is Crashing yeah. season two. We only watched the first ep. There's another one out that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get more caught up on that next week. But yeah. the first step was actually really good. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Better than most of season one, I would say. It it introduces uh Jamie Lee as a uh, love interest character who was is Pete's ex-girlfriend in so weird (laughs) yeah she's a a stand-up who is his ex-girlfriend so it's like it's breaking barriers with like the reality and fiction divide like it's just literally her I mean he's it's not like trying (laughs) he's still trying to do the whole uh autobiographical thing yeah this show I've noticed has become a bit of a meme online it takes a lot of shit because Pete takes a lot of shit I'm a I'm a big Pete Holmes. I like I like him as a dude, but he can be uh he can be a bit extra. Yeah. Um. I'm a big fan of his HBO uh, stand up special. It's Faces and Sounds. Yes, it's, it's a good one. It's yeah. I don't know if we've talked about it, but it is very. It has a great positive perspective that you never ever see in a stand up comedian because they're all supposed to be so sardonic. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's a good show. It's just I was mentioning we were talking about uh shows like Difficult People. It's just. It's I'm I think it might get lost in the sea of 
uh, people in comedy trying to make it right. like, based in reality. I mean, shows. I I enjoy the themes of like religion and and, yeah. and Pete struggling with his detachment from his religious uh, yeah. upbringing and, and yeah, trying it's, to it's cope a, with like staying. It's a giant thing that happened to him. Like if you like, he was religious like deep into college. It's not like he just lost it. Like he. He stuck with it. He went to a Christian college, and then all this shit. And happened. he was—he was like a—he wasn't even a skeptic. He was like a hard believer. Yeah, no. That there was like really a God, and you yeah, know, you so, would pray. And yeah, all this so stuff. that's that's yeah, that's a lot of the meat of the like the hero's journey that's going on, right? Because uh, Pete is also a big Joseph Campbell dude. He's really into like the you know mythic structure and all right. that. Um, but I I don't I think this is a good show. I don't think it's a great show. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love Pete, but I just he's gonna have to really try hard to stand out from the rest of the crowd of yeah. shows that are just like this. They're that are getting canceled left and right. <laughs> <laughs> love is over, but I feel like it wasn't their choice. I feel like it was just kind of like, hey, you have one more season, have fun with it. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, difficult people canceled. Funny show. Uh, this new you're one, the worst is on. It's yeah. gonna have one last kind of somewhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I do think it's a good show, and I'm I'm going to watch it no matter what because I've I've been following Pete's career for like four years now, um, and I I really like the guy, but I could see someone watching that and being like, not worth it, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, another show that we watched is the Marvelous Miss Maisel Pilot, on yes. um, on Amazon Prime. This is a show that got a lot of buzz as one of the better shows of yeah, last tell, year. Tell me about this. I don't know anything about so, this. So okay, it's the story of. Um, a, a typical housewife in the 50s, like a Jewish housewife. And, in New York. Yeah, in New York City. And she's very, like, she's very on it. She's very funny and, like, productive and everything. And eventually... Basically, like, the ideal, yeah. like, 50s housewife. Yeah, and know? then blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's in the synopsis if you read a sentence about the show, so we can spoil a little bit. But basically, uh, her husband's trying stand-up. It goes south. Their marriage goes south. And then she's like, well, I could do it. And so it's just okay. It's about a housewife in the fifties, like getting into like the grimy stand-up world when she's like been upper class her whole life. Yeah, are you are you in or out on this? We could let's watch this. <laughs> That's a good question <laughs> because I liked it. Like it was very enjoyable. It's written like a stage play. It's very written, and it looks a little bit like yeah, a stage play is, too. Yeah. Like the the costuming and the set design, it's all very like bright and colorful. So does, and it, does detailed. it work? It does. Uh, it's just a style that it's like if you like that style then like you're in if you don't you're out I last night I saw an actual stage play um, as, nice yeah, yeah. because uh, as like a required thing in a theater class so and I, I reminded me of Miss Maisel where it's just like every line is like this just like very not heavy handed because it's on purpose but it's very big acting yeah. like oh you know um, kind of gesturing broad for, gesturing for an audience that's not there it's, yeah it's a little <laughs> odd so it's kind of weird sometimes but <laughs> the star of it is I don't know her name off the top but it's the girl who played from, Rachel from House, of, House cards. of Cards the um, escort who oh. yeah who Rachel Kevin Spacey gets to I mean Christopher Brosnahan? Plummer gets to um, oh her the actress's name is also Rachel yeah. I think so yeah oh, Rachel no, Brosnahan yeah. yeah Um, and she I think she does good I think she does very well I think um, she's great yeah. <laughs> she's probably the best part of the show yeah she's very I the mean, show she, wouldn't work without yeah, her yeah cause the character is a very big character like very theatrical and she does she pulls it off Um, I, I you know I'm still on the we watched it like a week ago and I'm still on the fence of, yeah. if I'm like really in, we, I liked it but I'm not I've I don't heard know if I'm great, watch it. I've heard that the show is good and that it takes a turn towards being great in the middle part okay. of the season that's that's what I've heard from uh, like Andy Greenwald and a couple other yeah. uh, critics who I 
admire and I appreciate their thoughts and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really want to get around to giving it a chance. Yeah. It also co-stars Alex Borstein who from mad TV and, um, Ooh, and the voice, yeah, the oh, voice nice. of Lois Griffin. Um, and she's in a, she like, it's set up that she's going to be like a co-lead basically. Yeah. Um, and it seemed, I honestly thinking about it again, like I think I am going to give it, I'm going to watch another rep. Yeah. Alex I, Borstein is really funny. Yeah, she is. And she's a great actress in this. She's not playing a very funny part, but she's like very, she's really nailing it. My, uh, my parents, watched all of it and they really really recommended it they yeah. loved it um, I, I think yeah i think we should check it out so we'll we'll see if we uh we actually started the second app but then we uh decided to turn on the deuce yes okay this i think i for, kind of forgot about mazel because the deuce like stuck in my head yeah we we started ep2 of mazel and then we were like you know what let's uh let's watch should the we just like, watch the deuce? I haven't, I haven't watched any of this. It's a feature. Have you guys only seen the first episode? Yeah, it's a okay, feature-length first episode. Yeah, I saw the first episode, and I think that I forgot to bring it up on the pod. It was after Harry came on, highly recommended it, that I watched the first episode. It's, only, it's, it's only eight episodes. It's not a movie. It's a show, but the, the first episode is 90 minutes. It's really yeah. like a movie. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's a David Simon project who did The Wire, and every... Every second of this just reeks of prestige. Like, yeah. it's perfect. It's just all immaculate. I mean, am I supposed to watch a show called The Poop? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know the premise? It's something about the porn industry. Yeah, right? it's, it's well, 1970s Times we Square. We porn too, but the first episode is just entirely about like the the pimps and hookers scene in grimy 70s New York. And so it's, is that is that does it show how that's linked to the? the I guess porn it doesn't. Industry? We didn't get into porn at all yet, but. It's. I don't think it's about the porn. It's more about like New these York characters experience. trying to make a it's living. The the difficulty, like with this script, I can't even imagine because this first There's episode, so many characters, it introduces so many characters, which usually ensembles are a lot harder to make you give a shit. And like it does, it opens and has a, a medium, a midpoint, and a close for each of these individual storylines. There's probably like eight different plots that happen, including yeah. oh. two of them that are played by Franco. Yeah, James Franco's two guys. Yeah. Um, it's Franco and Vinny. Oh, Frank, Frank and Vinny. Frank and Vinny. Yeah, it's Franco. Franco's playing himself. Frank and Vinny. Um, and yeah, he's. It's it's just so like it doesn't pull any punches, showing like how fucked up New York was back then, and how that whole scene is fucked up. Like you know, and it's not like depicting it in like a horrible light or anything. It's just like this is what it was like to be a pimp in the seventies in New uh, York. As long as it doesn't have Dave Franco, maybe I'll <laughs> the dude, the dude from uh, the Roots is one of uh, yeah, Tariq uh, yeah. Black Thought, yeah. who is by the way the most underrated rapper of all time. Um, but he yeah he has a part in the very first scene. You're like oh shit, it's Tariq Trotter. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the acting is just immaculate. Maggie Gyllenhaal is a hooker in it. Um, and she's, oh my god, she's, she's amazing because her whole the the Ugh. point of her character is that she doesn't need a pimp; that she's just doing this to I like bet. as like a, a, a goddamn brush shit. <laughs> Fucking. Ass. How do you guys feel that All James right, Franco Jake Gyllenhaal, might have, Brett? So you'll watch. How do you guys feel about like that? James Franco might have sexually harassed every woman on set. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's so the thing. The making he's, of this. he's playing one of like the, a sleazy yeah, honestly, motherfucker. Sleazy honestly, both being. of the guys he's playing kind of suck. He took yeah. a deuce on all the women. <laughs> yeah. on set. the title is a Family Guy reference, <laughs> 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 and it's uh, all about Stewie Griffin. No, it's just it. It was just one of the most impressive pieces of TV I've seen in so long. Without re having any pretension about it, it was just it was perfect. It was like, just good as yeah, fuck. It was just yeah. like so fucking good. I was like, are you kidding? And me? I'm and I'm actually invested in like pretty much all of these storylines. Yeah, like I want to watch the rest of the season just to 
see what where these characters end up. There's one character who is this young, like nineteen, twenty look, twenty year old looking girl who we assume moves to New York to be a hooker. Yeah, like it's alluded she's done it before. And then like the two, the first scene is the two pimps and they're just standing in the airport, just like looking for chicks. Like, hey, do you think she would be a hooker? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not even that she gets like roped into this. She's yeah, just like, she's yeah, like, like, no, like, I'm down. Yeah, like uh, it's um, just, yeah, it just. It it's not afraid to depict like terrible people and it's not it's not necessarily like making a comment about any of this stuff. It's just showing you what it was well, like. Well, yeah, I mean Maggie Gyllenhaal has an incredible scene towards the end of the episode where she kind of explains the whole point of you know, kind of kind of the show, which is like this is her job. Like she is doing this because she's making a living. She has yeah, a good apartment. Yeah, whenever she has the uh, the the young boy. Yeah, because yeah, he's like he's like, oh, it's not fair. Like I came too early or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, and she's just like, yo, like one ticket, one ride. Like yeah. this is my job, just like anyone it's, else. Yeah. That that dialogue, I was like, that is perfect dialogue. It's so hard to strike a line between not being overwritten and also being perfectly written. Like yeah. it, that dialogue was like realistic and perfect. It. Like this, this shit blew me away. It's it's messed up and it's like hard to watch at times because yeah. of how messed up. It oh is. yeah, but holy! Like it's just it, there's nothing I could say is bad. It's perfect. Yeah, in so, or out, we're in. Yeah, <laughs> it's time for in or out. <laughs> okay, there's another show uh, that we watched. We kind of went on a little bender here the other day. Yeah. We watched the first episode of the assassination of G- of Johnny Versace, mm-hmm. American Crime Story. Yeah, that is a mouthful of a title, now, so I'm just gonna call it Versace. I I had Versace Versace. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is FX. Uh, this is season two of American Crime Story. Season yeah. one was the People versus OJ Simpson. See, I didn't see OJ, so I it's didn't. It's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I just didn't see it, so I went into this kind of raw. Like, I know Ryan Murphy is very hit or miss, and when he hits, he nails it. Dude, OJ is like one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> is it really? It's crazy. OJ is great. Yeah. yeah. Like is it better than Snow Dogs? No. No. Um, <laughs> it's also not better than Radio. <laughs> that's, that's, that's but it is better than Jerry Maguire. <laughs> is, is it's also not better than OJ Made in America? <laughs> do you think that? Okay. Do you think that Cuba Gooding Jr. had a hard time getting out of the character of Radio, and it was really Radio who made the choice to be in Snow Dogs? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck. That's that's a new conspiracy. Cuba, Cuba. So Cuba's so a character method. actor. He's, he, yeah, he he's like, oh shit, what I do? Dude, this? there's some levels to that. It's like. <laughs> Radio as snow dogs. Yeah, like well then by the time he's shooting, he's like, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Already signed on the dotted line. So with Versace, I went in even more raw. So you watched this, right? Yes, but I was just I was chilling with my parents. I didn't even realize that this was the new American crime story. My parents were interested in it because my dad grew up in Miami Beach. Yeah. Oh, it's very Um, Miami. So it it was really cool watching through this and my parents were like, Oh, he went to this hospital, why didn't he go to that hospital? Like (laughs) they're they're kind of it's, it sounds strange, but they're like analyzing it at a, at a different level. Mm, that's really and funny because they know the area where it was shot. I mean, shot. that's yeah, that's fun to have specific things that you can relate to. So like. yeah, this this is literally it's it's you know reenactment feel of of this uh, this crime that went down that was a huge fucking deal mm. at the time that it happened. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how you guys felt about it at at the time. Like my mom and I thought it was a little slow going through. It def- well, yeah, it definitely takes his time in the beginning a lot, like so many establishing shots, but they're all gorgeous. Like it, yeah, the way the camera it, swoops it, around it, the mansion yeah. is beautiful. It, it, it is a yeah. bit slow, but it looks so like it's like whoa. Like it makes I mean it's obviously like playing off of a lush mansion in Miami, so yeah. but like it's shot very perfectly. 
So I what, loved what did it. you think about it, Brett? Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting. I, I talk a lot about how I'm a huge, huge like true crime fan. Going into the psychology of why why are murderers why do they do the things that do? What separates them from us? Mm. What what little thing happened in their childhood that makes them do these things? Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. So I do I do want to get more into the psychology of this murderous character that seems to be like the, pretty much the main character. Andrew Quanan. Quanan. Yeah. Have you read yeah. about him? No, not at all. Very, very fucking interesting. Like he, uh, he really is. A, he's a pathological. Yeah. Liar. So the yeah. the the episode depicts a lot of um, you know supposed events in the past you know years before the assassination, and you know we we see these events unfold on screen, but they may have not even happened. That's it. May okay. all be I didn't lies. Even think about that. Yeah. So it 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 kind of tackles that whole unreliable narrator thing and it's really really interesting because you are put in the mind of the darren chris character of the andrew Quonanon, yeah, who does very well by the way yeah oh he's so fucking good and i don't know if the rest of the show is going to keep flipping back to the past um but i really enjoyed these scenes because it kind of makes you understand him a little bit and like why he may be this unstable sort of murderer because he was on a killing spree this guy like he killed a couple of people um before versace so it's it's like you know he he may have put it into his head that he actually knew versace that he actually hung out with so you're saying like did he really swoon Gianni Versace in the way that the show depicts like this might have not actually happened well they yeah there's there's some sort of record of them meeting at one point the yeah. the nightclub scene yeah, like the, that, yeah, there is happened. proof that they were both in the nightclub okay. that same yeah. night but then when he pontificates and he's like yes we met at the you know the gondola by your place that all actually didn't happen they and the the, the whole opera scene yeah yeah that see that seemed like it was like very yeah. dreamy um I did I didn't yeah I didn't realize that this was kind of like a high budget kind of thing i thought it was just like a random you know tv documentary mockumentary that my that my parents found yeah and then mm-hmm. i saw what's her name penelope cruz oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. plays uh, it's donatella it's donatella versace and i was like oh wow this is something I don't, going on here. i don't know about her i'm not sold on her yet i, I didn't i i'm not saying that she did a fantastic job yeah. I'm, I'm just talking you know well, big ticket yeah they, they kind of introduced the character in a very uh odd way they didn't you know, I mean, maybe she really is like that, where she's just like completely closed off and like cold and unfeeling about the whole thing, because that's how she is in the episode. Yeah. Did you see this on her? No, I have not actually. Oh. Um, I I recommend it. No, I really I, enjoyed I wanna it. I want to check it out. I know the second episode just came out. Um, it's eight episodes. Is that what? It's gonna I think be it's going to be ten. Ten. Because okay. uh, OJ was ten. Okay. Yeah. The, the teasers at the end of the episode um, make me really excited because I think it will go deeper into psychology. It shows the relationship with his mother, which is a huge has a huge impact. Yeah, impact I, on that. I'm really interested in uh, in watching it. I just haven't. There's been too many things out. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in on this. I I loved OJ, and I I can't wait to see where the show goes. I hope I don't think it's going to be as good as OJ, but I I hope it kind of does its own thing and it doesn't like hang a little bit too much on the whole like media frenzy and it kind of dives a little bit deeper into the characters i i don't know i think there's potential to do something different than oj yeah. on this one okay 
Um, okay, so before we take a break, um, let's run through a couple of these other things that we've been watching. Yeah, uh, we watched Planet Earth two. You watched it? Yeah. Okay. I, I, oh yeah. You said, I haven't yeah. seen the whole season. Okay. It's only six episodes. Yeah. I just wanted to be just, quick about this, yeah. but it's on Netflix now. Finally, it was hard for Americans to find it for a long time. It, it originally came out in 2016 yeah. on BBC. Because Planet Earth one is incredible, but it was in the very very early days of HD. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's kind of grainy. This. Is like the best looking shit I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> dude. There's some there's some shit that is unbelievable. Like yeah. my my girlfriend Lee was like doubting the the yeah that this was even real. Like yeah. she was like this this has to be it, it's sp- genuinely special effects, right? At, it's at times it's it insane. Looks, it's at times it looks fake. Like and there is definitely a lot of like there's color correction going on. The thing that impressed me the most. Is how they're able to edit this footage to invent a story. Oh, yes, that's that's, that's, that's what so, makes it so that engaging. Is, cool that it. is some of the most creative. Like, I wonder if they have just actual writers on their staff because, like, the the narratives they create, like, <laughs> they'll, they'll have like birds looking at a certain bird that's doing a weird thing where these birds are in a completely different area. They weren't looking at the bird at all, but they made it into a little story about how this bird's like a weirdo. And the the thing that kind of blows my mind about that is like. There's, you're probably not seeing the same bird in every shot. This Maybe is probably not. a montage of different birds yeah. that just look the same, and they they get because they probably have to track these animals mm-hmm. for like weeks or weeks. Yeah, and you know they probably don't always are able to get the shots that they want to get on the same yeah. day. So you're seeing like a montage of different birds that's made to look like it's the same bird and you're following yeah. the little story. And, and always they get unbelievable time-lapse shots with like plants blooming that never yeah. see, that I never get tired of that. One of the things that really blew my mind is the shot of the uh, glowing fungus in yes. Brazil yeah. in the jungles episode. Yeah. And you that, know, that is the first shot anyone has ever got of that really yeah yeah that that it that was one that looked truly fake yeah <laughs> like it was yeah. too yeah that's what i was talking about with it Lee. was otherworldly like, it was that episode um, and that the fungus is followed by that crazy looking bird with the yeah, yeah. with the swirly tail mm-hmm. that's also the first <laughs> shot that they've ever gotten of that bird yeah and also i i'm always here for uh the funny scenes with a bird like showing its plumage and trying to mate like, yeah <laughs> those are always hilarious no matter what um the other scene that just blew me away in the first episode, Islands, yeah. was the snake scene with the the iguana. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, the Komodo, so the Komodo sick. dragon. That's, Are you? Yeah, yes. yeah, the Komodo. Well, no, dragon. it was it was a little iguana that was in the the chase scene. Oh, right, oh right, my right. god! I yeah. saw Dude, that one. You yeah. like you? It was as you can't write as, that. It was as gripping get, as anything I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. Like I was like, no. How do they with get the these music, shots? Yeah, they they really like they humanize these animals. It goes down to basic psychology where they show if there's like a big square and a little triangle where rooting for the little triangle to yeah. get away like it doesn't matter what it is we root for the little guy and it takes advantage of that with like real life shit that is so a cinematic and b like gripping as a story that they kind of craft it, it just this shit blows me like, some I, of the some of the equipment that they use uh, i think it's mostly drones you know because a lot of these shots like oh, they're yeah. in places they have drones now they can the, they can fuck with they're drones. in places where like people can't really go like they're deep deep in the jungle they're in kind of remote areas and i feel like they probably utilize drones a lot, especially to get these really smooth, like soaring shots, like yeah. in between the trees. Oh, definitely for that. Yeah, it wasn't just helicopters. In in Planet Earth One, you would sometimes see the trees rustling because of the blades of the helicopter. Yeah, and there's, it's just it's a lot closer this time. The qu- camera quality is pretty much the best I've ever seen. This is just some of the best stuff that you can do with the quality of picture that we have now. Like, yeah. I was so excited for this, and it's like it's 
A plus. It's just, all on Netflix. Yeah. I really recommend it. This is like one of the reasons I want to get a 4K TV. Just yeah. Because I want to watch this in 4K. With well, like you'd a also you'd also like, have to get uh, you'd have to pay extra for 4K Netflix too. Well, 4K Netflix, and then but is that I real. Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, all right. Well, yeah. Planet Earth two. Really recommend it. It's only six episodes. I haven't yeah. finished it yet, neither, but I've seen but, like half of it. Okay. So yeah. Also, uh, Todd Glass has a new special on Netflix called Act Happy. Todd Glass is kind of an anomaly just as a person in general. If you've heard him on podcasts or like he'll do getting dug with high, he is like the funniest person in the world, like just naturally because his brain is just not like normal. (laughs) He's so he has the best emotional intelligence and in front of a crowd, he's so, so good. And then in certain ways, he's just like has no like there's certain parts of his brain that are just like missing or something. Damn. And the result it's it's not like. It's not like he's disabled in any way. It's just like openly like he'll make fun of himself and people will make fun of him and be like, what this you're the most unique person because this special, I mean, the show that he creates because he's different is different. Like it's a it's a special thing where the entire special he has a backing band that has like a bunch of like lines and stuff like they talk <laughs> and they have like a bunch of little bits with the band. What? And, yeah. And it's, it's really, really well done. Like it's not too cheesy. Like, like they'll just like yell at him sometimes and talk shit to him. And he just, the way that he argues is so funny. He always does this thing where he, he'll tell you how you're about to react. He's like, no, here's what I'm saying. And no, 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 not, not as a joke. You're going to be like, no, this is actually a really good idea. <laughs> like he says that like 20 times and it's so, he just has a, an interesting perspective, which is really what good comedy is all about, about having a certain view on things that no one else has. Um, I, I love this dude. He has one of the best podcast segments of all time called Stained Glass on an episode of You Talking You Too to Me, where it just it showcases how just naturally off the cuff funny he is. And he kind of has to be because like he just there's certain things he just doesn't like understand. It's, it's always nice to find a. Uh a special a comedy special on Netflix that's actually like you know something yeah. worth watching cuz there's a lot of yeah they don't they release like a new comedy special every single week yeah. Yeah. this so is very, most of them are very this same-y. this is a great special it's very it's kind of inside baseball sometimes where like he does a whole bit where he's doing a Brian Regan impression who is like another very good comedian but not many people know who the fuck that is <laughs> like it's just he's he's not like tailoring it for anyone in particular it's just it's stuff that he thinks is very funny. Um, I I enjoy the shit out of this. I think it's one of the freshest specials I've seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, I won't pontificate too much. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And we get back. We're going to be talking some movies that we've seen. We'll be right back. Doing some yoga, and uh, hey, you're just looking at my laptop. <laughs> the lady leading the class is like, "Okay, everyone, get into your happy baby positions." And so everyone knows exactly what they're doing. They just grab their feet and then start rocking on their spines. Let, let me guess, you you went and put on a little suit like a boss baby. Yeah, so I put on my little baby suit. And then I poopy in my diaper, yeah. and then I start sucking on my thumb, and then everyone starts looking at me weird, and they're like, yo, what are you doing here? You didn't even pay for this class. And you're like, you guys aren't being very happy babies right now. Yeah, and I was just like, goo goo gaga. Yeah, I mean, forget it, Ernest, it's Chinatown, you know? 
Yeah. Is this my new water that you? And then I had to pay yeah. five hundred dollars to bail you out of jail. <laughs> yeah. All while you know sucking on um, my mama's breast milk. Oh. And we're back. Just the milk. (laughs) Not her titty milk. Come on, grow up, guys. Okay, we're back. We bought a mic. Here we go. Talking some movies. All right. Before we get into that, I wanted to mention something that I forgot to mention. New Netflix show, The End of the Fucking World. I think it's it's pronounced the the end of the effing world. Yeah, so that, I believe it came out like right at the turn of the year, right in 2018. And I binged it with my girlfriend in one night, which I would definitely recommend. It just kind of feels like a movie. And it is really fantastic. You have the actor from Black Mirror and Shut Up and Dance, who you already know is a really great actor. And he Mm. kind of plays this teenager who thinks he's a psychopath. If you watch the little teaser, you get kind of an idea of what's going on. Oh, I didn't didn't realize it was that guy. Yeah, you get this very uh, Bonnie and Clyde type of thing, but with... Uh, these these really young high school characters that go on this this adventure and the pacing is really fantastic the writing is so good and the acting is really highlighted by the directing and i would definitely recommend it so it's only one season uh how many episodes like six or something like that maybe seven or eight i don't even know yeah it's pretty short it looks pretty interesting i mean you know when it comes to netflix like it's getting harder and harder for me to commit to really checking something out unless somebody recommends it like you're doing now. Yeah, it, it's very, it's also, you said you mentioned that it was the first season, but this is a very isolated story. Well, I think they announced the season two because it did so well. It's picking up a lot of buzz and a lot of people are watching it. I, so. I could see how they could continue the story. I don't necessarily want that to happen. You know, a lot of the times when you really like something, you don't want them to kind of butcher right. the story. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, but you, uh, you recommend... Oh, totally, totally cool. recommend. Really great drama. All right. Well, we'll we'll check it out. We'll probably talk about it on the pod. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into some movies that we've been watching. So, we finally got around to seeing this fucking movie that uh, I didn't think was ever going to come out, but it uh, it came out, guys. Phantom Thread, the new wait, Paul wait, Thomas this, Anderson. You think this is like a Max Landis movie or something? No, I, I no, just, he just oh. thought they were going to produce the whole thing, then table it. <laughs> like, uh, look, we'll I just, like, call you. We're not buying into this P.T. Anderson guy quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. No. Who, the, the cobbler? He's acting now? <laughs> so do, do you want to do a little general discussion and then talk about some, some spoilers? Yeah, this yeah is, let's do that. This is a movie that is very difficult to talk about unless we get into spoilers. So let's just have a very like general like thoughts, and then we'll put up a little spoiler bumper for people to uh, skip over. I mean, this is a film that not a lot of people are seeing probably not gonna see but it is nominated for six oscars and it, it has get some buzz because of that yeah and it has sure. it has potential to win some of them um this is not a movie for everyone it is very strange and weird but it is paul thomas anderson so if you're out there and you know film and you know movies like Bo- boogie nights or there will be blood uh, the master you know these are all very strange films and this is fits right along Mm-hmm. with those movies um so just an overall i guess vague synopsis daniel day lewis plays um a dressmaker in 1950s london who meets a woman named alma mm. and she is a much younger woman but they develop a romantic relationship of sorts and she becomes his uh sort of a muse yeah his model exactly yeah so it's it's a complicated relationship because he's 
so enamored in his work and also trying to you know it's it's kind of set up that he, he does this like he just completely falls for these girls and then it's like well my work yeah yeah you you get the idea that he is some sort of uh womanizer i mean he says it he, himself he's a bachelor he's a confirmed bachelor and uh he just is a, a complete kind of workaholic uh obsessed man very detail oriented you're, you're set up in this movie of 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 his this routine that he has Right. Very early on, you're, you're, you're set up with this routine. And then there's more elements of the story that are introduced that make you think it's very cyclical. Yes. And then there's a breakaway from that. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, the third lead kind of the you know, supporting actress role is uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's character's sister. Cyril. Who is sort Cyril. of... Sort of like his manager in a way, a business partner. Yeah, who's also nominated for best supporting actress, which I so I'm I love that, and she was she was amazing. I thought she was yeah stunningly. It's good. a great performance. She's very cold, very yeah. um yeah. The the couple scenes where lot. she kind of like you know kind of starts getting at it. It's like oh yeah, like she is very. That's that's a great character. I love her character. Mm. Um. Acting wise, this movie is just off the fucking charts. We can say that. Yeah, That's I mean the spoiler. main three, the main three: yeah. Vicky Creeps, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, and Leslie Manville. Yeah, uh, you, the main core cast because the, the the film kind of has like an episodic sort of structure where like a lot of characters kind of come and go and they have their one scene and then you don't really see them again. Yeah, but the core three are unbelievably good. Yeah, I have a confession: I had never prior to this seen a Daniel Day Lewis movie. Really? No, no, nothing? Haven't seen There Will Be Blood. Oh, wow. shit. Okay. So, we should fix that. So, I had high expectations just because I was, you know, he's the. You never actor. saw Lincoln? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's just like he's like the actor, you yeah, know, like he's, he's the, the greatest guy. actor. Yeah. He's the guy that if you land him, then you're like, you're godly. You're Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. So, I had these expectations and he, he blew them away. Like, it was, it was a method performance. It was like this man. Is this person? I I this think is not Daniel Day Lewis. I think that this may be one of his best performances. I I also I agree with. I you. haven't He's... seen all his films. I w- want to go back and watch some older films from like the nineties and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he is so good this in this is, movie. It's, it's absurd. Uh, it's just it's a master. It's like a master class in acting. And then Vicky Creeps Alma is going tit for tat with him and she I don't even know who this is but she did an amazing job. I feel like her performance is very underrated just cuz like Daniel Day-Lewis is of course getting all this love. Even Leslie Manville got a nomination for best mm-hmm. supporting actress, but Vicky Crepes is incredible. Just the ability to stand in the same room and not be completely overshadowed by Daniel Day-Lewis's character yeah, because she... Vicky Crepes also plays a strong-willed personality yeah, yeah. for a woman and she did a lot with uh just biting glares just like yeah. expressions that just show that's you. that's a theme in the film i mean oh, she yeah. even has a line that says you know if you want to have a staring contest with me you'll lose yeah, yeah. getting yeah. yeah getting back into the the movie itself this is a very subtle movie there's just it's a, it builds tension in very subtle ways mm-hmm. it's you extremely have, moody yes you have daniel day lewis being overcome by the psychology of the character he's trying to play. And I guess Mm -hmm. that's where the method acting comes out. Yeah. And you mentioned Alma and I really don't want to talk too much about it because I'm pretty confident that the arc that her character takes is essentially would be like a spoiler. Yeah. We, that's that we want to talk about. That's how subtle um, Um, this this movie is. But yeah, it's, uh, we we should talk about the directing of it because it's, it's unbelievable. It makes the, every dress, every piece of fabric, every, glint of like a needle and a thread that, looks yeah. like that amazing. shot that shot stuck out in my head as well because i know exactly what you're talking about um the directing 
is so good combined with the script that it makes you feel like you're remembering these events. Yeah, and this, yeah. this is what Lady Bird did so well. And yeah, and it's funny you compare them because this is another one that I would call like a real auteur work where it's all synthesized into one being. It's not like, oh, we had one guy doing this and another guy doing that and they like kind of knew each other. It's like this is a singular vision, the whole movie. Also, it's it's and- worth noting that Paul Thomas Anderson um he didn't hire a director of photography for this film. There is no director of photography credited for this film. So wow. he wasn't holding the camera himself, but he was like... This is his vision. Yeah. And you can tell uh, whenever we left the theater, I mean, of course, there's these beautiful shots of the dresses. But even Ernst and I were talking after the theater, and just the way that the camera will follow a character up and down the stairs is just so beautiful. That feels like yeah. you're walking up the stairs with it. Them. It, it really does. It makes events that objectively are truly boring and it makes them really interesting when it's shot like that you're like you're trapped and isolated in this house for most of the movie that's mm-hmm. multi-story and it almost feels like there's an infinite amount of levels with the way that you're kind of constantly going up and down yes yeah you're not yeah. really sure where you are yeah so it's, it's <laughs> kind of disorienting like you right yeah. um, uh, it's just it's like a slow burn. I want to hear how you... Well, I guess we can't yet, but you were going to compare it to Mother because I like that analogy in some ways. I just, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll get into that a little because bit. Because they're both like the best movies of the year that we all think. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, <laughs> I think I know where you're getting at with that, but I want to kind of save that for spoiler talk. Yeah, we uh, yeah, just yeah, quick, yeah. Quickly, some other general thoughts I had was... Um, I was listening to an interview that uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did where he was talking about working with Daniel Day-Lewis and... What makes him so great is his physicality, that he's able to do the big grand things like he'll walk with a limp and things like that. But it's also his physicality is very subtle Mm -hmm. in his acting where he will, for example, just like he'll like quiver his lip Mm. or something. Smiling in a very specific way. Yeah, he smiles very specifically that you can just tell he has labored over thinking exactly how this character would act yeah, in this situation it's, it's it comes like through the only other person that i've like felt that way watching was anthony hopkins dave franco yeah, yeah dave franco <laughs> and the Zesters. no anthony hopkins and then brian cranston where it just yeah. seems every move they make is measured and it's on purpose and it's the right call yeah and you know i've, I've talked a little bit about what makes like film and tv acting so um i guess alluring to me is just that the face and how the you know the greatest actors in film and TV know how to work the face yeah. so well and, and and really convey emotions with just the little yeah. ticks in their face. But Daniel Day Lewis can act with every inch of his whole body, it's, and the it's, way he holds himself. Like there's this one of the first shots in the film, he's putting on his socks and then he put he's putting on his pants, and the way he stands, the way he like holds his body as he's putting his clothes on is so damn precise that you can, he's able to get so much across by just that one movement of like clothing his himself. And you can understand so much about that character just from that one shot. It it is. It's just, I mean, it's wild. And (coughs) interesting one, Drew. (laughs) Yeah. We just had to censor everything I just said. Um, Oh damn it! I, I think I think I shook my thing. I concussed well, myself coughing. Well, one one other thing that comes to mind is one other thing that comes to mind is the scene where um, there's this sort of runway show in the house, and the 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 room with all the people watching the the models is filled mm. with smoke, 
and they're all smoking and and it's it just adds this like kind of claustrophobia to the, it's very to the scene it's yeah. it's very it's so tense which i didn't know was possible for that scene and another thing that's amazing is it's not silent because we have this beautiful score. Oh, which we Johnny didn't talk Greenwood. about that, but Johnny oh Greenwood, God. I'm really oh, cheering yeah. for him to win the Oscar. Finally, for that getting score. getting out but, of the shadow of Tom York. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it's nobody else is talking except for Daniel Day Lewis, yeah. and he's freaking the fuck yeah. out about these people judging his, his vein dresses is like and bulging anything. out of his head, and oh. like yeah, and that's the kind of <laughs> subtle acting that okay. he does that he it's it's enveloping. That's what I was gonna say is his character has the entire movie even when he's not doing anything he has a restrained energy to him where it's just like you can see it simmering underneath this incredible power it reminded me of christoph waltz he has a very similar yeah, thing yeah. all his roles where it's like you can just see like the way he moves it's just like there's something underneath it well the, the thing that makes this performance so impressive to me is because i've seen daniel day lewis freak the fuck out like and there will be blood yeah, yeah, my he, son. Yeah. He, he fucking loses it and in this movie he never quite yeah. reaches that amount of losing it because of the character because the character mm-hmm. is so meticulous and so precise about everything that his freakouts are a lot more subtle yeah and you it's, still feel the weight of them another another uh non-spoiler thing i wanted to say is that because of his incredible commitment to the character there are some lines that are I thought were truly very funny. Oh like, yes, this is humor. In there this is some movie. really yeah. good humor in this. So movie. effective, just because his character is so incredibly meticulous, and his with the performance, there's plenty of books about the perfect comic character does not know that they're funny. They like Michael Scott. He he thinks he's trying to be funny, but like it's funny things that are yeah. not intentional. For a total different reason because yeah. he's completely committed to this role of a guy who's taking himself dead serious, and it's funny yeah. because he's doing it wrong. That's what a lot of scenes came off like that, where like these little dialogue bits where he just thinks that every little thing is the end of the world. Yeah. Chic, oh my fucking god, chic. The- yeah. The the artichoke scene while they're having dinner, I was like dying, like laughing. Yeah. But it's just yeah. it's it's very because this movie paints itself as very dry and slow, so it comes unexpected. It's almost one of those situations where you're like, I don't know if I should be laughing right now at this. Like, is anybody else around me laughing yeah. at this yeah. because I can't? Well, I and that's that's another thing funny. with uh, you know, laughs are a release of tension. So if it's a tense film, and I, yeah. that's that's just a common thing with Paul Thomas Anderson too. That I mean, even in the Master, like there are scenes that are funny without actually explicitly being humorous scenes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I I just think that Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson are just a match made in heaven for each other because both of them are such subtle directors and subtle actors that they just work perfect together mm-hmm. at uh, really bringing out the full vision of the best possible version of that movie. Um, so let's... Any final thoughts yeah, before yeah, spoilers? So just, just a quick last general thought. So, you know, people like us, we're going into this, we're not into fashion design. So Yeah. And that, I don't think PTA and Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. were either. So on, on that note, going in, once I was pulled into the story, I was never let go. The pacing was really, really nice. If you want to see this movie and you're worried that you might be bored by the subject matter... Uh, focus on the characters and you're gonna have a really great time it's also it's one of the shorter pta movies it's only like two hours eight minutes or Mm -hmm. something like that so there were there were points that maybe i was just getting a little bit like yeah we just saw that scene you know there were there it got a tiny bit repetitive but for the most part 
I, w- I was just coming off watching the ne- the movie that we're going to talk about next, Good Time. So I was just like, I had to recalibrate my whole brain. Right. Like I had to change the way I was thinking about the movie itself. Um, <laughs> and once I did that, like I was very, very into it. So you guys all all recommend? Yeah, you guys all, all recommend. Liked it. Let's yeah, really- I think that this is going to be this. I'm I, I know it's canon everything but i've been still adjusting my list as i'm seeing movies well that's no, what i was gonna say let's ret if you were to have to retcon what would you where would you put it i i hate to say it but this would probably push brings me bear out of my top 10 oh i, I mean it would be, in my it top would be 10. 10 i think that this i would 10? put at number uh, eight or nine i think i don't remember exactly where i put it but i've been adjusting stuff just because i also hadn't seen call me by your name yet i really still want to yeah. see ingrid goes west so i'm still um, making subtle adjustments to my list yeah it's it would be it would be around five for me and as to since we've been it may be confusing because we've been kind of gushing about it and we're none of us are putting it like super high on the list uh maybe maybe it's you know it's not a very sympathetic character and it's a world that is just completely not it's not a relatable movie it's just a yeah. great movie well we'll get into spoilers as to what makes this movie great yeah, yeah we, um, should, we should get into but that. i i really recommend it if you're willing to kind of uh, work a little bit and you know surrender yourself to a, a movie that takes its time and if you're willing to you know put up with a movie that doesn't reveal itself until probably well into its third act yeah. it, you you kind of have it, it, PTA demands patience for this one and yeah. I think he demands patience for all his films so yeah. you just have to be willing to go into it with an open mind and be willing to just accept the type of film that it is. All right, so let's let's do a spoiler. All right, spoilers. And then also, if uh, if you guys haven't watched this movie yet, skip on ahead and listen to our review of Good Time. Okay, yeah, and then we'll have spoilers yeah. for that as well. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Okay, so Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis uh, have fish sex, yeah. and they <laughs> sew each other together. I was gonna go for that joke, groin. and I was like, I won't go for that joke. <laughs> All right, so I, I do want to talk about the setup of this movie because it goes into why I thought it was like Mother. So the the whole setup for this movie starts in the very beginning where you have you're first introduced to the relationship between uh, Reynolds Woodcock and Cyril, his sister. Classic name, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I I love the fact that he's named Woodcock. Woodcock. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. He he is ba- he is loosely based on a real person. Oh, really? Way. I did a little research into that. I don't remember yeah. the name. Mr. Woodcock from the movie but with Sean William Scott. You have your. Joe. You're you're shown his you're shown uh, Reynolds' routine, and they're sitting at breakfast. He demands this quiet breakfast, and there's a woman that's not his sister who's trying to demand his attention. Yeah, it's a you lover. Get, yeah, you get this feeling that she's she's a lover. She's amused, and she goes away essentially. Yeah, and and I love how they the sister is just like, uh, what do you want me to do about her? Yeah. You know, it's just and like he's so, just like very whatever. Like about immediately, it. Yeah. you know that this guy is just a guy who can't put his time into girls, and yet he keeps trying. Yeah. Like you uh, you already get a great sense of him. Every scene at breakfast is just amazing cuz <laughs> yeah, they make this so whole great. big deal about he's just like Mr. Woodcock does not like to have, have a bad breakfast. It uh, starts him off he, then he can't refocus for the rest of his yeah. day. Yeah. And so then the wrinkle the reason that they would tell the story specifically about Alma is because she is maybe the first one who's not afraid to just really be like, "Hey, maybe I like doing things this way. Maybe mm-hmm. that matters. Maybe I like to really butter my toast very aggressively." Oh my God. Yeah. So you have you have after he this this relationship is broken off. Cyril recommends that he goes to the countryside, and mm. he's at this he's at this restaurant, and he sees this waitress, 
So why, why is he attracted to this waitress? She's wildly vulnerable. It's like almost comical how she's tripping over herself. <laughs> it's, it's, lit- it's like uh, they came together when Amy yeah, Poehler's she- just clumsy as fuck. <laughs> so why Re- Reynolds immediately s- sees something that he's attracted to, which which is this yeah. vulnerability? Yeah, he it's yeah it's it's kind of like a prey thing, like a predator prey thing. Oh in yeah, a way. and and she and you you come to find that she's even an object because she has these perfect dimensions that Reynolds likes yeah, she, when he's she making has a the dress. shape. The whole first date that they have is so odd because so it's like creepy. he takes her to dinner, watches her eat a meal that he's not partaking in and then like wipes the lipstick off of her lips. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. Yeah. So I want yeah, to see you. Yeah. And the then thing. takes her home and then starts measuring her body. So yeah. any any kind of wall that, that she put up, if there was any tiny little wall that she put up in front of herself, he literally wipes it away from her face. Effortlessly. Yeah. yeah. And she, I mean, obviously she, she knows who he is. And so she is proud you know she's proud of herself for passing this like fucked up test that he's kind of putting her through with the measurements and there's a part of her that's like wow i really you know i hold up and then he brings her to his london house you know which is the basis of his uh fashion operation and while living there you know he gives her her own room and while living there she quickly i think I mean, I don't know if we're skipping over time, if there's some sort of montage going on, but it seems like she very quickly comes into her own and not only learns to love and appreciate herself as an individual, but understands that she has power over Reynolds. She has a certain way of like controlling him and shifting the dynamic between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, this single theme is what makes this movie so great because it, it's not a story about a man being an a overpowering male figure in this classical sort of way. It's a, it's a film about shifting the perspective and, and shifting the dynamics between Reynolds and the two main women in his family and how they're constantly working him. He He is trying, and she points that out in him. She tells him that he's kind of putting up a front of of toughness when in reality he's very soft on the inside and that's what she is constantly exploiting and that's what becomes the driving force of her character of Alma's character yeah is she knows that she can get to him mm-hmm. she knows that she can like yeah. dig into the the core the gushy core and then him. obviously she finds a physical way to get to him when her tactics aren't working as well as she would like she just straight fucking poisons the dude and that yeah. is that is not even the most interesting part of the story right and where it <laughs> right. ends up yeah that's just because i i i really this is a movie that just kind of blew me away with the direction that it went in and Mm. it basically the climax is finding out because she poisons him once and they it's a very light light poison she she nurses him back to health to finally get him to admit to her that he loves her Mm -hmm. and so that they would finally take away that bachelor lifestyle from him by the way the the shot where he asks her to marry her is like a single take that is yeah. slowly moving in on them, and it doesn't cut. Is, is it a single take, like when she when she's laying down sleeping, and, and oh, he wow. walks up to her, uh-huh. it starts kissing her feet. Yeah, <laughs> there's another incredible single take um, when they're in the sewing room trying to frantically repair the dress that he fucks up. Oh yeah, and it goes it goes yes, around the amazing. entire table. Oh, so yeah. and then good. it follows her. She goes to the different sewing tables, and it's like two minutes, and it's like holy fucking shit. Yeah, you you gain 
you gain this respect for Cyril, the sister, over the course of the movie. You think okay, she's just she's really not mean. she's not a hard ass. I you know? love that character. I lo- I just love the vision to include. Okay, so it's his sister. They're around the same age. It's not like an incestuous thing, but it is a territorial yes, thing. She's, yes, she's yeah. she's like two steps away from his wife. Yeah, she's right. not into the love interest <laughs> yeah. because she she kind of wants to be it if not if not like a sexual thing she wants to be the one he depends on entirely exactly right. she wants to stay as the one managing all of yeah. this and, and that she... is a crazy that's just a very interesting relationship to kind of delve into it... and it's not even like they, they have a talk about it it's just you understand it which I... is the mark of good writing i feel like it's also kind of a thing where she cyril is always i mean she knows that her brother has never taken up a relationship because doesn't want that to get ahead of his work but she's also kind of in that mindset where she doesn't want anything to distract him because he is like allegedly like the greatest dressmaker in the world yeah, so it's like don't a, want any distractions possibly coming yeah it's, it's like a, a whiplashy type relationship where it's like we know we have to set everything else aside and this is our thing and together we're going to be great mm-hmm. it's i love the actress i thought she did an incredible the little scenes where they finally start snipping at the breakfast table when she's like, oh, don't, don't pick a fight with me. You'll end up on the ground. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, ooh, yeah. Ooh, she doesn't even oh. look at him. That yeah. made me so she, happy. She looks straight ahead. It was perfectly delivered. I just, I was in love with that scene. Yeah. It, that's, that's what I'm talking about, about shifting the dynamics and like shifting your expectations about what this character archetype of, of Reynolds Woodcock, Reynolds Woodcock, <laughs> like that name just it's, like yeah, spews pretty, like yeah. manliness and like. It's on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you. You have this understanding of like, yeah, this man has a shit together and he is being a man and he has full control over his entire life. Mm -hmm. But you slowly peel the layers back and you find out, especially, you know, this is a a movie that one of its biggest themes is is mother-son dynamics. And you get the sense that like because his mother taught him his trade, he holds sewing so dearly because he has this connection to his dead mother and he kind of, I mean, he, he even said, it's a very creepy thing to say on the first date, but he says that he has a lock of his mother's hair sewn into his jacket. Yeah, mm. Sewn under, <laughs> right next to his heart. Yeah. He's trying to hold on to whatever that relationship meant to him. What did you guys think of the hallucination scene oh. with the mother appearing as he is li- pretty that much was, on his deathbed? Like it he was thinks very he's unsettling. Supreme, like supremely scary in a, in a really yeah. fantastic it, way. It was really, it was, it was freaky. Um, but not like, it obviously wasn't a jump scare. It was just like, what in the, like, because I mean, the actress that they chose has had a scary look to her. Yeah. Just naturally. with the wedding dress. Um, yeah. And her the, costume. The setup for that scare was really good. And then you also, it's not spoon fed to you, but you do, at least when I was watching it before it was the next scene, I already got a sense of what it meant when, uh, Alma walks through and then goes around and then she comes back and the mom is gone. Yeah, you get yeah, you get yeah. what that means and it's not this not telling you. What well, it means. that's the the one of the main I guess cruxes of the relationship between Reynolds and Alma is that while she's taking care of him, it's a very maternal thing for her to do. You know, she is nursing him back to health. Yeah, she she is being very motherly to him and in 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 mother and yeah, in, in her taking care of him so he obviously finds a lot of tenderness in that and mm-hmm. longs for that mother figure in his life something that Cyril can't give him yeah so it builds and builds the tension builds uh very subtly but it definitely has a build and you're led to just be like by the way that just sounded like a dr seuss line that you just said it builds and builds the, the tension, tension builds, builds. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're left to just be like how 
how can this resolve? They just can't be together. Like how? Because even yeah. even with this being such an unconventional movie, I feel like it's still hardwired that they have to end up together in our brains. And I was like, yeah. I, I just don't see how it happens. And the last scene, like that was, I was just saying, maybe one of the top ten scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I, it's something I'll Where, never forget. It's just it's so it's so great when it happens because she's serving him this poisonous mushroom again, but she tells him exactly that she is poisoning him, mm. saying, "I'm I gave you poison. Yeah, I need you to be on your. I back. need you to be on your back, and I'm gonna nurse you back to health again." As he's chewing his food, and, and then you he can swallows see it. a very subtle like look of like acceptance in his eyes, where he's like, "Okay," and they just swallows see, it. Yes, I've I've seen the film twice. So I read this scene very differently than, than you guys. I think that he knew. He knew the whole oh, that he, whole he, scene. He knew the whole scene. That whole scene. Yeah, that's he what knew. I was saying. Because I mean, she was just staring him dead in the face, like, "Hey, I'm. This is poison." Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. He knew the entire time. Yeah, that he was getting and poisoned. the whole scene, though, you you're not sure the first time you see it. You're not yeah. obviously. You're not like, oh, yeah. he definitely knows. He plays it. That is. The be- some of the best acting I've ever seen by DDL in that yeah. scene. Yeah, well, audience just... from the audience perspective, you're very unsure because you're like, is he about to die? Well, like, yeah, is you're... she gonna kill him? But from Reynolds' perspective, he wants this to happen. He knows this is going to happen. He knows he's being a little, he's being a little sassy. Yeah, he's boy. being yeah. a little stinky boy. And he, <laughs> yes. needs, he needs to get his diaper changed for a couple yeah, days. Exactly. <laughs> um, his acting in that scene, that scene is my definition of transcendent, where it could. Maybe you had a bit of an expectation, but it could have gone just anywhere. Yeah, it, it played. There was a full minute where he's chewing that one bite. <laughs> yeah, and it, and every so, movement with the fork. Oh yeah, he savors it. Nine. Yeah, you're just like, oh god, the, the three pronged fork. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, um, in in that scene as well, there's there's some deep, there's even more deeper layers, and it goes it just goes to show that every line in this movie is not wasted. The fact that he doesn't like too much butter, and she puts in so much, <laughs> so much butter, butter yeah. yeah, in this omelet, just you know, even more to this control that she wants to have over him, yeah. And he's so obsessed with having like this strong, the strong image, but it just doesn't matter. He wants his, he wants his mommy. He wants to be this little baby. <laughs> he wants yeah, his mommy. He really does, yeah. And, and he, he just, he just craves like just kind of sameness. Where we were talking about the cyclical nature, but how he just has this freak out earlier in the movie when. Um, Alma decides that she just wants to surprise him and make dinner for him and just kick everybody else out of the house. And you can just tell how uneasy all of it is. He's like, where is Cyril? Where is Cyril? I'm going to go take a bath. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back down. And that's when we have the artichoke scene where he just like loses his shit because she cooked artichokes. Or asparagus. And, or asper- asparagus. Yeah. That's what it was. Cooked asparagus and butter and not oil like he likes it. I think that may be the best scene in the film. That was so good. Like yeah. just because it's tense, but you're also like laughing because mm-hmm. they're talking about fucking it's, asparagus. It's, yeah, it's, it's really trivial and you care. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, and well, the, this is just not, how am I supposed to enjoy this? The, yeah. the line delivery is so on point. Mm. Like almost, they're talking monologue. over each other. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like the most satisfying argument because that's not how arguments go. Yeah. Uh, but in it's movies... messy. Yeah, in movies we're used to seeing either one side get finally getting out what they want to say. Yeah. But she literally can't even say what she's trying to say. She's like, your, your things and your, and your house and your... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> like she's just so frustrated and that's how you are when you're frustrated. Yeah. You're not the most perfectly articulate person in the world. Also, the... Uh, the the scene breaks the 180 rule which means the camera jumps uh to the other side of the action so it, it already gives you the sense of like chaos 
and like unsettledness. It's the same, the same with the camera going around the sewing tables. The same thing mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Oh, that, uh, that shot. Another standout moment from the final scene, uh, final sequence, I guess, uh, is or the climactic sequence. It's not really the final. The the whole poisoning scene at the end mm-hmm. is when he says. Kiss me, my darling, before I before um, I'm ill. Before, yeah. I'm, sick before I'm sick again. And then it's a montage. And the the, the music like swells. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that scene for me, I swear to God, like I wanted to get up in the theater and be like, yeah. <laughs> right when he swallows it, I'm like, yeah. yeah! <laughs> It's getting weird. And then and then you have the whole, you know. And then her just them saying in the bathroom together and him just like, yeah, you might like, want to leave. Yeah. I... Oh, yeah. They're like smiling. He's like, I think it's full. Yeah. Like a bucket of puke. He's and like, the Ooh. final line is, I'm getting hungry again. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, so I'm getting hungry let's, let's talk about that little montage. Is This is all happening in her head, right? This this little montage That's what she of them having kids, right? Yeah. She says mm. that her mind sort of fast forwards in time. Mm. Yeah. So like this, I, I feel like it's a hell of a lot darker than what that makes it out to be. Like this guy probably ends up dying from all these mushroom poisonings. <laughs> Eventually in time. Like that's this a is good, not a That's a good thing. take. I mean, yeah. yeah. And even if he doesn't end up dying, the relationship that it's like the happy ending is the most fucked up toxic <laughs> relationship of all time where like just to tolerate this man, she has to poison him. And just for him to tolerate her, she has to poison him just for them to be together. He, it's, it's, it's almost like Mother where the metaphor is just like not even a metaphor anymore. Yeah. Like it's literally a poisonous it's relationship. Like it really takes him to be like deathly ill for them to have a yeah. tender moment and together. Yeah, it's and whenever almost, he's not. It reminded me of, of almost uh, drugs where I've read about like super productive people cannot like they'll be on vacation and they just can't enjoy it. And so they turn to like, you know, weed or something. Yeah. That's the only way they can possibly. Ugh, gross. Yeah, right. But and but what he needs, his drug is sickness. That's what it takes because <laughs> he's the most meticulous human there's ever been. I, I no, think, I, I think I don't, I don't think so. I think I think the drug is the maternal. Yeah, being cared, exactly. Cared for, well, yeah. And and he can't let go of his strong like. Yeah, it's struggling. Strong nature yeah, it's sick. struggling with being type A and needing to be in charge of everything. But then sometimes he needs someone else. It's to be almost in like of a everything. kink. Yeah, it kind of is. It's like it's, it's the like a only way. Fetish. Yeah, that's why that's why he needs Cyril so much. Yeah. One of my favorite lines in the whole thing is when he's holding the puke bucket, and she's like, "He's like, I think it's full." <laughs> like, oh, Any other died. standout moments? Anything else that you guys want to mention before we move on? Um, I mean, this is just I just can't. I'm just blown away that Paul Thomas Anderson has been able to do this for this long. That's starting with Boogie Nights and then Magnolia, and yeah. then moving on. Like we're in multiple decades now of Paul Thomas Anderson just being at the peak of his powers, which is not something that yeah. we usually get with. Usually, directors have like a four or five film run in like the course of like yeah. eight to ten years, and then that's kind of it mm-hmm. for them. But just PTA just shows that he really is one of the best directors alive right now ever. If not ever yeah like he he's really up there on the and top he has a very on. unique style like nobody can really do what he, he does he does he has and that's one of the things that's very stand out is that he'll make movies that are very different from each other but they all have his voice in it yeah. right which um, is what's impressive one more thing I, I wanted to touch on is that this is uh daniel day lewis's last film so he says there is a narrative going around that he, this script and being this guy made him too sad to make another movie i would i would wager to say Damn. that he can heavily relate to his character Shit. seeing as the level of intensity to be a method actor is i would say pretty fucking similar yeah, to his character's it, struggle his meticulous yeah, the way just, that he goes through his life and everything maybe yeah, he like, just it's... poked himself too many times with the needle <laughs> and it hurt too much 
He had to actually eat poisonous uh, mushrooms in order yeah. to pay. Well, he, he did. He's he method, did so. He did so a, a full dress yeah. on his own for this role. He did really, yeah. Insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, in in many ways, is not the main thread of the movie. Haha, <laughs> thread. Uh-huh. But this is a movie about like the balance in between like wanting to be great at what you are doing and then sh- how you have to shut out everything else and not truly love anyone. Yeah. I mean, he, that. he helped PTA with the story. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't have story credit, but they collaborated. Yeah, like on the I can script. almost guarantee that this is a character that he could kind of relate to and maybe made him realize some things about himself. And yeah. he was like, maybe I should, I should like hit the coast with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love the film. I my alma. It. All right. Well, let's move on to good time. So welcome back. If you fast forwarded <laughs> through our review, you know, a lot. I, I know a lot of you probably haven't seen Phantom Thread, so good for you for not being spoiled. Probably even less of you. Yeah, even less time. of you have actually <laughs> seen Good Time. But okay. yeah, so for a- Colin out there who's listening to this, <laughs> welcome back. Who? Um, okay. Where did this like? What was the release of this movie? What did that look like? I don't know, man. I don't think this like, movie actually came out in theaters. Yeah, it was so <laughs> not on the radar until after it was available for everyone. But you have to seek out it to find it. It's not just on a streaming. Yeah, we all rented it um, yeah. online, and I really recommend that everyone out there you will not regret spending the five bucks or so to watch this movie. i think this is genuinely one of the best movies of the year it's one of the best like thrill rides that i've seen yeah. in recent yeah. memory it's it's one of them it's fun to watch so good time is directed by the safety brothers written and directed by the safety brothers yeah. i think who are who are newcomers yep. to uh, anything big or getting recognition yeah. they've been making films for a long time but but robert pattinson saw this script and he was like i need to be a part of this film yeah and he puts on the performance of his career like yeah. he is unbelievably good in this film he, he plays a a criminal who is on the run and he's trying to help his brother out um brother is like mentally disabled yeah and also played by benny safty one w- of the safty exactly brothers. and he is just it's the whole film basically plays out over the course of like a night like, yeah. like a 24 hour period yeah. and he's running from the law the whole time he's just a fucking criminal just trying yeah. to not go to jail and it's and it is by all means it's a movie about fucking scumbags so the fact that Pattinson is able to make you empathize even though he's a horrible in the whole movie he's, he's always like just doing a pathological liar all, yeah, all he does is try to get things out of people he's never actually being genuine and yet you still just because of the intensity like how you can see like the, the fight or flight in his eyes kind of this is, this his is, motivations are very sympathetic. Too. Yeah, that's the one thing yeah. you can sympathize is that he's trying to help his brother, who he put in the situation in the first place. Yeah. So you're also like, "Fuck you." Yeah. This, this is, it's like if you took a Catch Me If You Can DVD, took out Tom Hanks, put it on the floor, and stomped on it for a little bit, <laughs> and, like, and put yeah. mud on it, and then and you did, and then you did a bunch of LSD. Yeah, I, this this film just like reeks of just st- style, but not overdone. It's like style in a way it's that it's primal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's primal and it just it's feels. It's a flight movie. It's just like mm. I, I have to do this. It like, feels new. It feels like if 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 the Safdie brothers are like the new Scorsese or some shit. This, like it's it's <laughs> youthful and just like yeah. It, and this is exciting a movie that is helped in droves tonally by the score. Uh, oh cra- yeah, crazy the score. score is incredible. What's the guy's name? It's like own something tricks point never. Yeah. I think that's it. Uh, it's just it's a synth score, so it just it helps with the atmosphere of a, of like a modern telling of it. We've all seen chase movies. We've all we've all seen like getaway movies, mm-hmm. and this is a very modern version of that. 
without like relying on modern technology too much, anything like that. It's just a new telling of something. It's a lot of close-ups, um, you know, not pretty much no effects budget. Uh, it the whole movie basically relies on Pat's, Pattinson's performance and like the couple other characters that he interacts with. But the script is so tight and so just wild and crazy that you f- kind of fall into a rabbit hole and you're just so invested in this guy trying to run from the cops that you're you end up rooting for him mm. even though he's a terrible person you're, you're like wow he's really smart with these snap decisions but what yeah. the fuck is this guy and doing? it's not even that he's that smart it's like a combination of of luck instinct and like yeah and yeah. like just and, pure yeah. instinct. and street smarts yeah, yeah. it's a lot of there's a, there's smarts. a lot of finagling with people in ways where he had to kind of provoke their emotions you know and it's almost like this is all he knows <laughs> It's like he's just really good at running from the cops. Yeah. Like it's just all he's been doing forever to the point it? where he th- he thinks he's above other people. Yeah, and who was it? You that was talking about what good time means? Yeah. So shout out to the Snyder Colin podcast. They oh, in great. their in their two minute review of this film, <laughs> uh, they talked about what the title means. And it means the small amount of time that criminals spend outside of prison because they just oh, go right back okay. to prison. You know? Yeah. Um, and there's a character who is who is yeah. in the midst of that. So ha- he's having his I, good time. I yeah. really want to get into spoilers. So quick yeah, let's thoughts just go. Before I, we go into spoilers, I pretty much kind of said everything. I also just want to get to spoilers because I need to leave in the next like ten minutes or so oh, to get to work. But um, uh, yeah, it's yes. great. Check it out. It's a better version. <laughs> I think... should have seen her in his face. On that <laughs> yeah, we all just gave him like the throat to the finger, the finger to the throat, like, <laughs> the throat to the finger. <laughs> I quit my job. This is my job now, guys. Um, no, but I think that this does uh, the whole nonstop thrill ride thing that Dunkirk did earlier this year as well. But this has a much better story that you care more about the individual characters. It's not as over stylized. Like I think Dunkirk is like a better movie, but I enjoyed this movie more than almost any movie I've seen in a long time. This, yeah. this is the most Grand Theft Auto movie. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's GTA very movie. GTA the it's, movie. It's, it's wildly entertaining. Yeah, it's gripping. It's despicable. It's fucking grimy. And you, these people, you can't. You know, they there are people out this like like this who are just like yeah. career. They get out of jail, they go back to jail. There's some shit in this movie that is generally hard to there watch. Two, two scenes oh. that I my mouth was All literally right. open. Spoilers. Spoiler, right. Spoiler alert. So my favorite scene in the movie was uh, them breaking into the uh, the little carnival uh, theme park mm-hmm. yeah. area. And the whole sequence is that's like the, the security of the guard. Yeah, well, and leading up to that, the whole um, montage of it, the showing monologue, the yeah, the like actually showing you the monologue and everything that happened. Them losing this bottle of mm-hmm. LSD. It's almost like a movie money. within the movie. Yes, it really is. Like yeah. you're just getting this, which. It was just it's it's very awesome because it's not just an exposition dump. It literally is you're seeing the exposition happening. Yeah, yeah. It, that I I love that shit. That and then them just like fucking pouring LSD in the security guard's oh, mouth. After okay, see that up. that scene was. I, I thought incredible and horrible. I, to watch. I screamed. Yeah, I, I, I did too. There's Shout out to Captain Phillips guy and I think Apti. Yeah, I think it kind of it took like a second and a half because you're watching and you're like, oh, that's a lot, and then you're doing the math in your head and you're like, wait, how much money did he say this was worth? And it's like thousands and thousands. You're like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like 
I I was like shaking almost because I yeah. was like, this guy is. It's worse than being well, dead. What he is? Yeah. They didn't set up the fact that the LSD was gonna be used in <laughs> such a fucking insane way it's, it was just they so... only set up the fact that it was very valuable so yeah. you knew that they were going to use it for money but then he's like this guy isn't going to fucking well, they, talk they, you yeah, know they set, they set up the potency where they show that it is like you know normal lsd where one drop well, one drop just, on it per like tab and you were kind of thinking you were like that's just acid in a sprite bottle someone could just drink that like that's what i was thinking <laughs> yeah. yeah and then it's just out of fucking nowhere this guy who by the way the actor i don't even know his name his name is buddy duress as he, ray he's a friend of the safety brothers i read he's not really he's not a notable anything he was so good yeah he was <laughs> really so good really funny and he's interesting he was hilarious he was so committed that like i never doubted for a second that this is a guy out there you know like this is some dude and also we should talk about the way that he's even introduced to the story is robert pattinson yeah. breaking <laughs> the wrong person out of the hospital yeah. Yeah. like that was in, just another guy in a body cast just assumed that was his brother with a cop waiting outside the door like that was so cool story wise this movie did have kind of like a psychedelic trip feel to it just because you have you're like all right i guess it's going that way like i guess oh, That's okay, with the, with the close-ups yeah, oh, yeah. And you're just oh this new character is gonna change everything like oh well it's because it's so it's such a fresh take that you it was hard to predict anything like you're just i mean starting from the very first scene where you just start out in this sort of therapy session with um nick or nick yeah nick nick nicholas and uh you know uh connie just basically pulls him out of this like help session and it's just non-stop from there the guy playing the therapist I want to see that guy in every movie. Like, yeah. just a great random character actor. Yeah, no one knows who he is. He was great. So let's let's. I think we should take a little step back and, and go back to the beginning of the movie, like Ernest is doing. And the the vibe that I got from the very beginning was of Mice and Men, mm. where you, where you have this this conniving mm. little like ratty main character, and then the vulnerable men, mentally handicapped brother who's yeah you know just loves his brother. They they genuinely love each other. Yeah. But, you know, Robert Pattinson is just so conniving. Yeah, I think, I think Pattinson's character is more like kind of tricking himself into thinking he loves his brother more than he actually does. Because you do get the sense that he he does care about his brother. He's but, also using him. But he uses him and then he leaves him behind when he falls. Right. Yeah, and just keeps that, running. Yeah, that was that was a that was a tough one to get by. It's, then again, he is he's really trying to get the money well, to yeah, break it's him a, out. The it's whole a guy right. who loves yeah. his brother but loves himself more than anyone. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. And sure. Uh, we're introduced to Jennifer Jason Lee randomly <laughs> for like five yeah, minutes as this weird fucked up love interest who is like it's another one of those characters that's just like you barely even see her and you're like I know who that is like she is uh, like a basically an adult baby like yeah. she's just completely dependent on like her mom and she's always screaming and crying. Yeah, um, that that was a, the whole bail bonds. Yeah, there was <laughs> that was a great scene. That, you that just scene feel is amazing. Like the... And as soon as and you notice like. It's one of those things where it is very trippy, like that. In that, as soon as Robert Pattinson realizes this isn't going anywhere, her cards are getting declined. He just leaves her. He just like <laughs> yeah, he just runs like off. It's just on to the next yeah, thing. Exactly. Like, what else can I do now? It's um, all it's all instincts. All yeah. the fight or flight you were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, and like from just they don't like overtly tell you, but from what you gather, they tend to go on vacations on her mom's credit card. Robert Pattinson and this girl, they just go wherever, and it's on the mom's money, and so she cancels the cards and. It, it sets the plot off in this crazy direction. It's just, it's another thing. You just couldn't predict, like, you meet this girl and you're like, who is, the, like, you, it's so, everything in this movie is just kind of out of nowhere. Benny Safdie, the performance, I, I just keep coming back to because three people in this movie 
have pictures on IMDb. <laughs> I guess it's going to be four because Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee is like buried in this list. Right. They're all just nobodies. And that's why I think this was a, an incredible directing job because oh, yeah. the Safdie brothers, not only did Benny act and he acted great. He played, really well. He played a mentally really, challenged really well. person in a very realistic and not like, like a super offensive way. It, it's just so, it's like you said, it's just full of like vigor and like, this freshness to it that yeah. it, it blew me away. It, it really seems like it's the type of movie that's just going to inspire a whole new generation of filmmakers. To They're like, yeah. I want to make that. Mm. <laughs> it's it also uh, another movie that compare it to just in terms of feel. Uh, this is much more fast-paced, but it was also Drive. That whole, the neon lighting, the electronic yeah. score, uh, yeah. kind of just a thrill of a movie. This is much more fast-paced than Drive. I like I think, this better than Drive. I, I think that this is going to be on the upper echelon of those kind of neon crime movies that have right. come out in the last decade and I think that Good Time is right there among the best of them. Well because you know Good Time never really lets up G- Drive you kind of have to like work a little bit to stay mm-hmm. engaged uh, it's a film that draws its scene outs a lot Good Time there's there's maybe one sequence that kind of like takes a breath and there's a very disturbing scene yes. in that sequence yeah, the, with the, the young is, girl. Yeah, there's a little... Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, there's, there is an extended scene where it's very slow because he's in he's finagled his way into staying uh, with what who he thinks is his brother in this these old uh, couple's random house. random fucking people. Yeah, and then the 16-year-old daughter, you meet her and you're like, oh, that's just a side character. And then she becomes pivotal to the plot. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but the... What what was so great about that scene? One of my favorite moments where it really shows how despicable he is is mm. they're showing they're watching the yeah. news together and suddenly his picture comes on the screen. He's he just wanted. like turns over and starts making out and with her. It, oh, just yeah, screen. that yeah. See, that's a very oh dichotomous thing it's because horrible. when you're watching it, you're like, no, 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 no. He's about to pop up. You're like, what is he gonna do? And then he does that, and you're like, no, don't do that. But it was the right move from yeah. a sociopathic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. He, it was the perfect move. It's just so. Beyond, like, beyond he's fucking reprehensible. So yeah. I was, I was trying to figure out why the hell I was so <laughs> overcome with sadness during the end credit scene, mm. where where you're just it's a great scene. Yeah. Oh, so man. after thinking about it a little bit, you're you're really strung along during this whole story. It almost feels like Robert Pattinson has you on a leash, and he's like pulling you through this movie, and that's because you relate most to his his little brother. And you and you feel you feel really empathetic with him. Yeah, you don't so even at the see very him for end, most of it. And you yeah, feel, you don't you don't even him. see him, and you just feel for him this entire movie. And you get to the very end, and you just you see him in the situation. And I, I felt so sad. Yeah. It's, it's the look on his face. Yeah, like, him there I with a bunch of other mentally disabled yeah. people in like a therapy session. He doesn't want and, to be there, but he's accepted it. He and, misses and his like, brother. Yeah. That that whole scene is just so beautiful because they do the whole like cross the room if you've ever done this or done this, and he just kind of stands there the whole time. And you that was just amazing acting job because you see this look of sadness overwhelm him, and he doesn't walk for the first couple times, and suddenly there's like walk across the room if uh, you've ever been accused of something that you didn't do. And he yeah. walks across, and he just like can walk across the room if uh, you've ever had a family member like lie to you. Yeah, exactly. It like was that. yeah, it it's, was a bit of like a narrative like trope thing that they were doing, where the pretty question, overt. Yeah, the but, questions became, but it was powerful. How how yeah. else would he understand that? I right. I think that's what makes the scene so sad is like he's realizing that his brother used him time yeah. after time, right, and that right, he yeah. was just another ploy for his brother to execute his own selfishness exactly it's almost like brigsby bear like the realization of of stockholm syndrome right but in a completely fucking different yeah. Way. Yeah, yeah yeah um 
And another thing, before we get to the end credits, the actual climax, you could say, of the movie, whenever they uh, go to the uh, apartment. Yeah, the, the security guard's security, uh, apartment, apartment captain now. Yeah, they're, uh, and they go in this apartment, and I've seen a little bit of conversation, so I'm interested to see what your take is. Do you think that he intentionally jumps out of the window to kill himself? No, he was trying to make it to the balcony. Okay, yeah. that's what that's that's what my general takeaway yeah, of it but is. He but he was some people think were, that if, he's, well, if you remember, he was drunk as shit. Yeah, that's yeah. He was yeah. drunk so much, so he was like, "Yeah, I can do that." And then yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think he, he just slips. And that's the other thing. It's like, what other choice? Just, what other choice dead. did he have? Yeah, you're trapped there. Like that's literally your only exit is the window. Yeah, you have to go all that way. There's a there's a really uh, cool take on the final uh, kind of climax that I wanted to share is. Uh, so that shot, like like Mother, um, this is a film that is filled with close-ups, mostly close-ups. So when you get a wide, it just like hits you. You're like deep breath. Yeah. So we get this wide shot at the end of the film that is a ginormous top-down shot where you see Robert Pattinson being chased by the cops mm. and then tackled and the Sprite bottle just flies out that of was, his hand. That was yeah. a beautiful So this whole sequence... If you remove yourself from the context of the film, you're just seeing a two-bit criminal being finally taken in by the cops and throwing some garbage mm-hmm. out of his hand. And it just sits there in a puddle. Yeah. But we followed this character in the story for the, the course of this whole film that we're just like, no! Sprite! It means so much to yeah. us that this fucking Sprite bottle is now laying in some puddle in some pavement somewhere and then it goes from these broad shots because there's that far back shot and then the one from the ground from Pattinson's perspective watching him fall out the window yeah straight back to the the ending close-up basically the last time you see Robert Pattinson sitting in the back of the I have have two two questions about that ending one is why do you think they chose to do the top-down shot of Robert Pattinson running rather than more close-ups what do you what do you think is the meaning behind that I think it's just to show you the fact that like there's so many people in this situation. There, there are uh, countless criminals running around, you know, going right back to jail, right where they came from. This is a story about these type of people who are just kind of fucking almost like worthless pieces of, They're cast of society. Out from society. Yeah, yes. and, it really, and, and it's it it's does. it's something that is just gonna keep happening. Yeah, it gives you the perspective of like, oh, this is just like a. It's, it looks like a helicopter chase scene from like World's Wildest Police videos where mm-hmm. it's just yeah. above and it's just like a criminal that looks like an ant and you feel it nothing. could be anyone. That's, that's exactly the way that my takeaway that I had from the movie is that it showed you that just because we see police videos like that all the time of just yeah. them tackling a criminal, some shit that would be on like Spike TV or something was, and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, he deserved it. Yeah. But it's after we're getting that juxtaposed to all the close-ups and actually yeah. directly following this character and establishing a relationship yeah, and, it's, and how we feel about yeah, and it's not character. like it's not necessarily I've, excusing okay. his actions but it's just kind of saying like there's there's a story there like something happened before this guy just exactly. got tackled and we're happy exactly. that he got fucking tackled okay i'm just gonna say uh i love this movie i've got to go because i gotta <laughs> go to work like right now but um I love this movie. Check it out. Um, follow me on Twitter at Hunt Mobley. Check out my. <laughs> Don't fucking plug when you leave um, early. Uh, yeah, just buy leave. buy I'm, Ghost Spread. I'm tasteful when I leave early. I just go. There he goes. All right, so Ghost don't plug that other. I'll, I'll do Hunter's voice for the rest of it. Well, so the other the other question I had was, did Robert Pattinson take acid at the end of the movie? 
No. No. Wait. When? Okay. So I know it's kind of it's kind of a weird question. So first of all, he has like the sprite bottle in his hand rather than in like a backpack where he had put it in right. as he was running away. And then at the very end of the movie, you have uh, a pretty drawn out close up of him sitting in the back of the cop car with what looks like really dilated pupils, a really strange look hmm, in his eye. Interesting. So the, the the way that I rationalized that was. Maybe, maybe he took he a took, quick swig. Maybe he not a, he he would know not to take a swig, but maybe he <laughs> took a little bit on his finger, to maybe try to plead insanity, something like that. Um. Well, he doesn't plead insanity because there's a little line where the therapist is like, "Your brother did the right thing. Connie did the right thing." Well, he did the right thing, but he also said like he is where he belongs. Yeah, but doing the right thing implies that he owned up to it. You know, it implies that a, a t- that's like the, this movie's version of uh, resolution. Of just like a little line where he's like he did the right he made the right choice. I don't I don't think that would be an interesting thing if he did, but I feel like that kind of betrays the the line of narrative if yeah. he were to just like do drugs and then like but I mean that'd be I just, cool. I just kinda see it as like this whole movie is about just the scum of the world, the scum of our society and like their story. You know, this is to us this type of character, you know, Connie, he's just a piece of trash on the ground. But like the Sprite bottle, there's a whole story behind oh, that. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yo. Yeah. I guess on that note, we can uh, we can end it unless you guys have any other thoughts. Uh, it, it, I had heard that it takes people by surprise and it still took me by surprise how gripping this movie was. I'm excited for whatever the Safdie brothers do in the future. They're making a 48 hours remake is what I heard. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would not recommend this to everyone as previously stated. Yes. Like um I don't know, it's not you know, it's not really a romantic movie you're gonna watch out on a date or no. anything like that. Yeah, and a lot of people do take issue with watching movies that in some way do kind of glorify what's happening in it, even if it's not overtly doing it. Some people think the act of making a movie about this person is kind of excusing his actions. I don't agree with that, but anyone who thinks that could not stomach this movie. Also there are people I wouldn't show this movie to just because of the two scenes that we talked about. Right. That right. I just know that they would not. It's so just despicable. Yeah. Despicable me. Grimy as fuck. All right. Uh, so that does it for this little episode of the pod. We bought a mic at 21. Uh, you can follow us at we bought a mic on Instagram, like our Facebook page. Also, why don't you leave us a review on iTunes? You know, give us some stars. Tell us what you think of the pod. We'll read it on the pod. Let us know if you want to guest. Uh, we'll probably say no, but maybe we'll say yes. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, Brett. You came back thanks. to life. Now you're just gonna disappear back into the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't care if you follow me on social media or anything, but you know, add me on Runescape, old school Runescape. Okay. E X T R E M U N. Hunter uh, just disappeared into the nether. We, um, I think we're slowly finding out that we all have problems with object permanence. And whenever someone leaves, we think they're dead. <laughs> just because we're like, well, yeah. where? Peekaboo, huh? I think Hunter um, just got sucked into the microphone. So we're going to try to get him out of the pod universe of uh, mm-hmm. Rocket, Rocket Ralph pod universe. Yeah. He's Hunter's, in there somewhere. Yeah, Hunter's not canon until next week, <laughs> in which he will be again. Will he return? I don't know. Uh, but I am at Caldernist on Twitter and Instagram, so you can check me out there. Yeah, I'm at Drew Dietzen, spelled like Diet Zen, like a soda, a bit like a Sprite. Um, and I would uh, appreciate you follow. Yeah. And uh, I'm Hunter Mobley. Don't follow, don't follow me on Twitter. He's making him sound like a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I'm Hunter Mobley. Call heat. <laughs> 
yeah uh email us at we bought a mic at gmail.com you know let us know what you think let us know what's up and thanks for listening bye Bye. This is Jack Black. Jack Black doing coke. If you don't mind, I'm just going to do a little solo right there. And if you want to be the teacher's pair. Bye.